boyfriend's fucking growling again. Hi, G. Hi, Shannon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Three Books, One Plot, the only podcast on the web where one of us reads Life and Death, one of us reads Midnight Sun, and a retired L.A. girly who lives in the woods and sells weed reads Twilight. <laughs> like everybody to me. Well, not even me. I want to welcome back our darling friend Casey to the podcast. Yay. Yay. Let me welcome also say, Casey. It's, she works in, in the cannabis industry. <laughs> She's not yes. just pulling up behind 7-Eleven. We, we legally grow weed. <laughs> it's not in a Denny's parking lot. <laughs> I figured, figured I would clarify that, but it's just real fun to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Casey was back with us in um, episode seven, I believe. Yes, the one where we had all the like vampire folklore. The V word, baby. The V word. We have to say the V word together as a team, as a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is back for our epilogue. The numbers are done. Wow, I'm honored. This is fucking sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, now before we start talking about any of these sillies, um, Casey, we have a couple questions for you as a returning guest here. Number one. <laughs> Any interesting life updates since we spoke to you last? I mean, the weed thing. That sounds like an interesting <laughs> You yeah, don't live uh, in LA anymore. I moved across the country. I'm in Massachusetts, and I work for this really awesome uh, social equity organic indoor cannabis grow. Um, and yeah, it's just really awesome. I'm learning a ton about the plants, and mm. I just... I love weed, so it's. <laughs> and I am smitten and in a happy relationship, and Aww. yeah, yeah, it's disgusting. I'm so happy. Damn, Edward and Bella should get on your level. <laughs> <laughs> you said take that episode seven, me. Eat it. I'm winning. Damn. Wow. Oh, that means yeah. some good life fun. updates. Um, yeah. Question number two is: Have your opinions on Twilight changed? Uh, since we spoke to you last have have you decided anything new uh I wouldn't say there's anything new I think the appreciation has definitely just grown and grown um I listened to the ologies episode podcast of about fandomology I think and I was just kind of I found that really interesting and that kind of brought me back to thinking about this and just the psychology of the things that we enjoy and yeah, I think no new opinions, just a deeper appreciation, I guess. That's so cute. Well, we gotta, we gotta, even though we're at the end, we gotta start the end to get it all completed here, even mm-hmm. no matter how sad it is. Shannon's so reluctant to even do this episode. I can't <laughs> because that means that the books are closed and they go back on my shelf and I feel a little sad about it. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm popping literal bottles. I know it's 2 p.m., but it's a special occasion. <laughs> All of our attachment habits being revealed right now. Um, there's just too many places in this chapter that, like, they they require a, a shot or something. Yeah, I don't know? have anything to pop. I have just gone and retrieved a um a strawberry. What is you this have a again? soju? Yeah. Oh my god, you're gonna get plastered. Hey, I'm only gonna I'm gonna take one little sip now, and then maybe I'll return to it as we as we okay. cheers to and different others- things. We return to Shannon junk crying by the end of the episode. Hey, what I do, you know, I gotta do what I know. So, 
before we start talking about all these things that are going to make me emotional, let's uh, do some summaries here. We're going to do mm. some um, 30 second summaries of each of our little chapters. Now, Casey, you are our Twihard this week. You have read the epilogue titled An Occasion for Twilight. Um, I am your darling feminist. Where I started, I have ended this journey here on season one. Uh, I will be doing Life and Death uh, epilogue, also titled An Occasion. They're all titled Epilogue and Occasion, but you Mm -hmm. see the difference in occasions. And um, G is our darling, lovely therapist of Edward Cullen for the Midnight Sun epilogue. (sighs) I sure am. I, I sure know. am. <laughs> so we're going to um, fire off with three different 30 second summaries of those very different chapters. Mm-hmm. And um, you guys are about to go on our journeys with us. So Casey, as our twihard, are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. Tell us what happened. Yeah. Okay. We'll wrap this story up for us, baby, whenever you're ready. Bella spends the day getting dolled up by Alice and doesn't suspect the obvious. Instead, she thinks Edward might have changed his mind and is making an occasion out of turning her. Boy, was she disappointed to put together she was being brought to prom. Cue angry tears. She admittedly doesn't hate it, despite an awkward warning from Billy Black via Jacob. She spends the night dancing on Edward's feet and going back and forth with him about experiencing humanity versus being together forever. She notes no one is going to surrender on the subject tonight, and we leave them with Edward's cold lips on her throat. Gross. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being. I don't know why I'm being a hater. When I read that, that wasn't like a aw moment. I'm like, ugh, cold lips. It's like it's very much like, <laughs> like kind of involuntary jerk that I I would like flinch at that. It'd be just as bad as someone put their cold ass hands on you. It's like yeah. yes, you'd flinch. Ooh. Yeah, you I would. used to do that to my siblings on purpose as like a mean prank. <laughs> Not with hands, not lips. Oh, that would be weird. <laughs> funny though. Um, yeah, she doesn't expect the obvious, which is funny. It makes me laugh. I know. I'm gonna roast her for it. Get ready. Not the problem that's been mentioned the entire book. And you know her classmates have been talking about it. Really? <laughs> uh, it's funny. I can't wait to just roast this poor girl as a family because <laughs> yeah, bonding yeah. activity. That's what we do best here. That's what we do girls best night. here. Three books, yeah. one plot. Hunting season. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, Shannon, are you ready to give us our next summary of the life and death epilogue, also titled An Occasion? I am. Mine is going to be somewhere between three and five seconds over because I've tried multiple times and I gave up trying to make it under 30 oh, seconds. Oh, same. L- literally. So same. fuck it. <laughs> I love your dedication to like do time trials. So <laughs> you have the average time. <laughs> Listen. Sometimes I'm like, surely I can do it. And then I stop the timer. I'm like, no, I can't. This was one of those times. So, Well, we're, we're going to cheer you on anyway. Do your best. Thank you. Well, come on, come on to this tragic affair. Boswan is dead, super dead, mega dead, but now he and his dead girlfriend get to go spy on his funeral where he gets to watch his future sister-in-law trying not to crack up laughing in front of all his mourning family and friends after digging up a corpse to fake his death. But hey, you gotta laugh. It's the little things, you know? We get funeral sadness, and I mean real honest-to-God sadness. Then after Bo has a woman moment, we run back to the house to an eh, category three woman event. Then we book it straight to the woods where we let Bo do one last show. And by show, we mean homeboy gets to start improvising one final skit. And by skit, I mean he has to stumble his way through the story of this death. So this book doesn't end in a super natural bloodbath of the ah shit variety oh not too bad 33 seconds yeah that's all right that's okay man <laughs> there are a lot of category woman moments in this Bo gets to so have right. his own woman moment and i can't wait to explain what i mean by that because <laughs> it's and his skin it's, doesn't even peel off 
I love it, but I also hate it because it's like too little, too late, Stephanie Meyer, you bitch. I saw what you did there. So again, mm. plenty of of those yeah. types of things to unpack. That's kind of the sentiment of Midnight Sun too. Is the too little, too late? Just little like, wait, I'm a feminist. I swear. <laughs> Literally, you goofy bitch. Well, G, do you want to give us? 30 or more or less or fuck it who even cares do you just want to tell us about (laughs) the epilogue for midnight sun please in as little or long as you want to happy to okay whenever you're ready all right strap on your walking cast and soak some tampons and vodka because it's prom night in forks washington (laughs) stephanie meyer tries desperately to prove she's taken a women's studies class by having edward spend this chapter telling us how he totally doesn't want to force bella to do things against her will all while lying to her through his teeth locking her into his car and forcing her to do things against her will then he calls her a dumbass and has 10 orgasms at the side of her bare ankle shout out to jacob for showing up to pass along silly billy's dump him initiative leading edward to design hilarious billboards and write 2k words of angsty bella x jacob fan fiction and look over there in the corner is that victoria out for revenge no it's two title drops and the end of this book siri play flightless bird american mouth because we did it y'all we did it two title drops i forgot there were two <laughs> oh, and they were very close to together too they were mm-hmm. i was like yeah. oh we're doing it again okay well now the first one's lost its meaning you bitch yeah you see why we need all this alcohol yo not the tote to tampon soaked um um or the you know what i'm trying to say <laughs> Vodka soaked tampons, yeah. Fucking boofing. (laughs) I have too many beverages at the point because I have a matcha, a coffee, two waters, a juice box, and now some soju. Damn, I wish I were that prepared, but since I've been in Seattle all week, I didn't have time to stock up on beverages. You were prepping for these Pacific Northwest vibes, and I just love to pee. So Pacific? (laughs) Pacific? (laughs) I can't. This is, I hope you listen. It's called that because the sky is always pissed. It's, it's been doing that in LA. Us in Seattle switched this um, winter. I'm, I'm fucking over it. But um, mm-hmm. hey, listen, all right, I hope you are all at home or wherever the fuck you're listening to this. I hope you're ready because let's wrap these books up. This is exciting. This is nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. This is everything we've been building up to now. So let's back it up a bit. Let's start with Twilight. Epilogue and occasion, Twilight, Casey, what's happening? Uh, well, it's prom, so there's a lot of the like uh, stereotypical things getting discussed, like getting ready, getting her hair done, and Bella being adamantly not like the other girls and hating every second of it. <laughs> Truly, the NLOG energy in this chapter is painful. I think the buildup to the reveal of prom is like, it's like, I felt bad at first because it's like, oh no, Bella, you're just like a little toy. But then it's like, how the fuck do you not realize where yes. you're going on prom night in a dress, yeah. in a heel with your hair done? It's truly like on my birthday with a birthday gift at my birthday party on my birthday. <laughs> it's like, are you going to put me in a prom dress on prom night to go to prom on prom night? Like, yes, dumbass. Bella has no brain cells this chapter. And hey, maybe when Edward sucked the venom out, he took more than he meant to because <laughs> he took brain cells. He took some brain cells for sure. And like, Casey, you're right. This is a small fucking town. What does she think she's yeah. going? Bowling? <laughs> like, what? Where do you think you're going on the date? She thinks they're going back to La Bella Italia. Oh, true. We do eventually. <laughs> yeah, let's say, let me take you back to the place where we had our first date, you know, after I saved you from the rapists. Because I'm sure you want to relive that night, Queen. It's truly just like a circus of fools. Like, there's so much tomfoolery happening. First of all, Alice putting Bella in. Her wa- she has a walking cast because her leg is still broken. <laughs> it's only been two months. Her leg is very much still in a cast. Um, 
And then her other foot is in a stiletto heel. Bunny. I don't think we thought through the practicality of the, the different levels of that. Yeah, you don't walk evenly when you're like no, that. No, she's going to be hunched <laughs> over like a crab all night. She's going to yeah. be shambling along like the hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, what's happening? Oh, man. Alice gets to really lean into the whole this is my Barbie doll thing. And we see mm. that for the first time here which is a little bit of a setup for what we see taking place in the next few books. But I think it's funny. It is funny. (laughs) That's all I'll say. It's mostly funny because Bella, I guess, just like cooperates because she doesn't realize she's going to prom. How does she not realize? But she also like complains the whole time, which is just like, ugh, ugh, okay, buzzkill. Bella complaining? I'm shocked. (laughs) Could never happen. But like, it's funny because when I'm reading this, I'm torn between being mad at Edward for taking her to prom and then not being mad at all because she should have known. Um, yeah. So today I'm, I'm team Edward isn't at fault for once in this chapter. Well, yeah. We can't blame Edward for her being an idiot. T. Yes. Well, my conclusion was that her not wanting to go to prom is valid, but her not knowing that they're going to prom is not valid. <laughs> yeah. That's just denial. Yeah. On a dumb, in the chat dumb level. Deductive reasoning. Yeah. Well, when she finds out though, we get a fantastic, weird, crazy page where it goes from Bella crying, Edward not caring, <laughs> Bella threatening to break her other leg, complaining about the shoe, Edward <laughs> hornily gazing yeah. at her leg, and it's just hit after hit after hit in yeah. one page. And she's like scared of dancing, truly? I just don't understand. Genuinely terrified. <laughs> Um, and actually, the commentary on her reactions in Midnight Sun is actually pretty funny. It's one of the better things in Midnight Sun. Yeah. We'll get there. But mm-hmm. put a pin in Bella just reacting like she's going to literally perish if she goes to prom. Yeah. I did want to make a note of the one line where Edward, I forget what how, what leads up to it, but Edward basically is consoling her. He goes, you don't look like a five-year-old. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, that's- Wait. That's a prom when there he puts her feet on his feet to dance yeah. them, like a like again like a, a dad with a five year old daughter. Yeah, like, and that's ooh. his line. You don't look like a five year old. <laughs> I don't know, just like something about that. It was like ooh. it's so El James. This is a thing. Ew, if, don't. If, if we do an El James special <laughs> episode, I'm gonna have to prove this to you guys with textual evidence. But El James will so frequently do this thing where she will sexualize and infantilize a character in the same sentence, and I fucking hate that she got it from Stephanie Meyer here. Very weird. Her being on his toes is silly, but I love, I love these. We try to blend in. We do our best to stay low down on the download, Collins. No, they fucking don't. No, they <laughs> no. don't. Especially because Alice and Rosalie are dressed like whores. Good. Yes, they are. Oh, there's some Good. whores in this. Good. There's some whores in this house. I love their problems. All the dresses. other like '80s ass little like basic bitch cardigan wearing forks girls are not prepared. You know? The horny descriptions of Rosalie that Bella gives are everything to me. Yes. And it's like, there's no wonder there are so many Rosalie and Bella shippers nowadays. But I also guess there's no dress code at Forks High Prom. Yeah, I guess not. Damn. I mean, to be fair, my prom, I don't think, had a dress code either. I remember people wearing some risque stuff. Mine definitely did. Ours did because the nuns um, were there. Oh, God, the nuns. The nuns were there. Uh, And, like, she, I, like, Bella, I love you, and I try to root for you when I can, but she's kind of being the biggest crybaby right now. Bella is the nun at the Again, I'm shocked. I didn't want to go to my prom either, but you're at least going with the love of your life. I went with a blonde blind date who didn't speak to me oh shit that's rough it was funny yeah how did did you go to prom casey oh boy uh oh 
I have a collection of memories that I like to call my prom trauma collectively. Trauma. Oh, no. Trauma. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at prama. It speaks for itself. <laughs> um. Boy, oh, boy, I, do I love hearing people's prom experiences. Because yeah. they range from nightmare scenarios to just like, oh, my God, it was so fun. But also, like, here's a little bit of trauma that happened. But also, yeah. like, hee look at these pictures of me and my fake spray tan in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember kids getting in trouble for doing backflips. Oh, like that's funny. what all, that's what all the like the guys were trying to do. Just you know, good for them. The teacher said, "I can look the other way at other at, at underage drinking, but I draw the line at backflips." <laughs> How dare you, children? Go back into the bathroom and take another tiny shot. They should have had Emmett do some backflips here. I think he could have pulled it off. Where do you see where do you see Emmett at the after prom party? Is he doing backflips mm. or keg stands? He's doing keg stands and everybody's like, you shouldn't be able to fit this much liquid in him. And he's like, hey, but I do. <laughs> he just has to go vomit it. At home at the color house when he's just projectile vomiting everything up. Jasper has a ruler because he's like, go for distance. If he's doing keg stands, he can vomit it up in public and everyone will just be like, oh, he's plastered. Oh, that's so true. Um, But no, Stephanie Meyer, she might hate herself a blonde bitch, but she wants to fuck them so bad it makes her look stupid. Mm -hmm. And that's all I have to say about Rosalie's descriptions. Yeah, she's wearing, for those of you at home, she's wearing a backless dress with a neckline that quote unquote plunges to her waist, which sounds to me like a skirt. But I'm assuming it's covering her tits at some point. I assume it has just like a neckline skirt and her belly button. Belly button? <laughs> was she wearing the JLo V-neck dress? Yes. yes. I, I assume she was wearing the JLo V-neck dress, but red. Um, because her name is Rosalie. She has to wear red. That's the yeah. rules. Vampire yeah, like her colors. Car. She had to match her nope. car. Exactly. Oh, that's probably why she wore red. You're so right. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Um, I do like all the like Carrie references. They're not outward, but she Bella's like, "Do you want me to like bar the door so you can like massacre the townsfolk?" And he's like, "Teehee, okay." Yeah, like, Stephanie seems to really enjoy Carrie because she references it again in Midnight Sun. She's just like having the ball, mm-hmm. yeah. reading Stephen King, I guess. But um, I mean, I, but also look at it. But look, Carrie is the weird girl that everyone picks on. Who ends so up true. fucking up all the bullies? So well, and earlier there was a part where Bo, I no, no, it was me. I made a carry joke. Never mind, that was not <laughs> <in> the text. <laughs> you said, "Hey, like, me, Bo Swan. What's the difference?" You know, I was like, Bo is waiting for Edith to dump pig's blood on him, but like oh, Bella true. is the one who should be having pig's blood dumped on her. I was almost seat. delighted at the carry reference, though, because I'm like, "Oh, Bella, have As you read Carrie? Have you read like something fun? Maybe, yeah, no, and it's and yet she insists on rereading Austin over and over." <laughs> But I guess she could contain multitudes. Why not? Why not? Screw it. Um, any more comments before our, our little lovely sunshine boy shows up? Well, we skipped over a whole thing. What did we skip? Uh, Tyler? Tyler. Oh my God, the Tyler thing. I forgot about the Tyler thing. Yep. Or Tyler. Mm-hmm. Because Bella's like, wait, that's how Bella figures out they're going to prom. Uh, Edward's like, Charlie's calling me. Hey, Charlie, what's up? Oh, give me the phone. Sorry, Tyler. Stay away from Bella. And then he like hangs up and goes. Well, and it's so fucking weird that Charlie calls Edward. Does Bella not have a phone? What's happening? Bella is prop this chapter. She is prop. Truly. Women are meant to be seen and not heard in this chapter. Yeah. He was 
Charlie was helping arrange the kidnapping of his daughter for prom. Oh <laughs> my god. But yeah, the our our Tyler thinks he's taking Bella to prom thing that we put a pin in many, many chapters ago has finally reared its ugly head. Uh, by having Tyler show up at Bella's house after she and Edward are already in the car on the way to prom. It's more of this wish fulfillment thing, though, that's yes. like, yeah, all these guys want to take you to prom. Go, girl, give us nothing. Well, and it's also so unrealistic. Like, in what yeah. universe would anyone show up at your door unannounced on prom night? Like, they have not made dinner plans. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. know what color her no dress confirmation. is. No confirmation. She hasn't Venmoed Jessica for the limo. Like, why Why would mm-hmm. you do that? Why would you set yourself yeah. up for this Listen. kind of... If you're going to prom, you're buying the tickets. You're arranging the limo, like you said. You're doing the fucking... You're picking who's sitting at your table. That's when the claws come out. <laughs> Cutthroat business. It, it really was. Do you think Alice posted Bella's dress in the, like, Forks High prom dress fake The Facebook don't steal group? my prom dress? The yeah. Facebook group. Oh, my God. Yeah, maybe the real prama is Tyler's prama for having to be rejected in this fashion. Yeah, poor Tyler. Everybody just is because just... he's not the main character. It's so like 2011 Wattpad, you know? Yeah, no, it really is. That's this whole chapter is too because Stephanie Meyer has even said in interviews that oh, she wishes she had someone like Alice because Alice gives Bella all of the little girly things that Bella's not allowed to want because she's not like most girls. So well, should that... I should I do my Alice rant? I, I feel like I've touched on this in the past, but. It's a quick Ooh, one. Alice ran. And it's kind of, this kind of goes for the Cullens in general, not just Alice. But <clears throat> I've frequently seen people come out and criticize specifically Alice, but all the Cullens for constantly doing stuff like this to Bella, like giving her a makeover, putting her in fancy clothes, giving her a car she doesn't want, taking her places she doesn't want to go like prom. And like, y'all, use your heads. Think of the doyalist reason for why this is happening, right? You're Stephanie Meyer. You're a Mormon. You've taught, you've been taught that like, proper womanhood is humble it's not makeup it's modest clothes it's keeping sweet all that weird right Mm. right wing fundy religious stuff right but in your secret heart of hearts you're like damn i sure wish i could dress like that hot bitch over there in her Mm. poorish makeup and she's looking snatched you know like i i want to be like that but i can't because that's incorrect that's not biblical womanhood so yeah. what do you write? How do you write your wish for honoring God? You write a best friend who does all this to you over your own objections because you're so humble. You're innocent you're, in this. You're mm-hmm. so modest. You're a, yeah. a nice blue collar gal. You don't want to spend money. You don't want to dress up. You don't want to look hot. Oh, but your best friend, Alice, it's just so important to her that you specifically wear a lot of makeup. Like, I know almost no one like this in real life. Not that I don't have friends who, like, want the best for me, but I can't imagine anyone, like, <laughs> being like, sit the fuck down and wear this outfit, you know? I guess, yeah. Shannon, you're the closest to my real life, Alice. I was about to say, I did sit you down and put a face of makeup on you. <laughs> you did. <laughs> we had our Alice and Bella moment. We looked so hot that night. We did. Um, we were doing we were doing Yennefer makeup from The Witcher. That was fun. Oh, hell um, yeah. that was really fun. <laughs> anyway, but like I didn't have to be forced into it, right? Not to compare this to a rape fantasy, but it's a little bit the same principle where like oh you can have all this, you can have all these trappings of like modern, you know, like I don't know how to even you can like, indulge in the frivol, friv, frivol. frivolous womanhood, non biblical yeah, yeah. womanhood. You can yeah. have all that, you can have all the hot girl shit, 
but you didn't ask for it, so it doesn't count. You're still not like other girls, even as you look high. You in your are prom still dress. without sin. Yeah, you're not yes. consciously doing all of those vain things that the other girls are doing. Yeah, don't care about vanity. Not, and... Bella's not a material girl. She's not a material girl. She's, <laughs> She's just Miss Martel- Martyr Bella. God mm-hmm. forbid she gets some yeah. fucking mascara put on well, it. <laughs> she really so, like, truly is the Joan of Arc of our time. Yeah. It really jumps out in this chapter, the not like other girls versus like other girls dichotomy that we're going yeah. for here. Yeah. yeah. You're in right. conclusion, that's my rant. If you try to be like, oh, the Cullens ignored her agency, I will punch you. And you know what? I'm so glad you said that because I'm so glad we get to dive more into that in Midnight Sun in the funniest way possible. And I can't wait to hear more about that because yep. Pin in the boy does Stephanie right? Meyer try to back up a lot during that, those oh, parts. Man. It's oh, man. funny. Anyway, poor Tyler. Poor Tyler. Uh, speaking of poor, these poor boys that are just have to do by Bella's, do shit to help Bella's fucking prom night proceed. Poor Jacob. Poor Jacob. Poor yeah. Jacob, man. This kid Jacob and his signature ponytail has never done called. anything wrong in his whole life. Just have bad taste. Listen. <laughs> Listen, the only thing that he does wrong is just believe believe that everything's I don't know. Whatever whatever he's done wrong isn't his fault is what I'm saying here. Because he fixated on he fell in love with the first girl he met that he wasn't related to. God. Yeah. Low-key. Yeah. <laughs> they live in a small town. You know, like the thing Bella That's was saying works, about being yeah. a shiny new toy. It, I mean, she's not new to Jacob, but she's, it's, you know, they haven't seen each other since they were little children. So but, same yeah. thing. But Jacob finds her prom and he's grown taller and he butts into the dance. And Edward being just a bitch doesn't say shit and just turns around and walks away. He doesn't even talk to Well, first of all, he snarls at him. Hi. He snarls. And I said, take your warrior cat's ass back to Forks Elementary. Like, we're sick of this behavior. You can read his mind. <laughs> can you imagine the other people at the dance like, oh God, Bella's boyfriend's fucking growling again. Holy <laughs> 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 They're so used to the colors <laughs> and their weirdness. They're like, oh, oh God, I'm going to stand over here. I like the um, shout out to the sophomore in a pink dress who was quote unquote eyeing Edward with timid, timid speculation. Like, come on, Nicole, now's your moment. He's not dancing with Bella. Shoot your shot. Cute. I'm really sad that this girl doesn't make it into Midnight Sun because can you imagine Edward's inner monologue where he's like, fucking Janice from Woodshop is imagining sucking my soul out, but jokes on her, I don't have one. I don't have one. You, you gotta be sucking for nothing. Hey. Uh, aren't we all? You're gonna be sucking for a while. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Listen, it's prom night. It's whoa, prom night. night. <laughs> Happy prom night. Oh my gosh. Jacob is so swagless, but he's so much more endearing than Edward. So mm. there's that. There's that. There- I like the awkward, like, side to side thing that yes! they do. He, she's got his hand, her hands up there, and they're doing that awkward side to side shuffle. It's so cute. He does not want to be doing this. He's so embarrassed. Yeah, the fact that he's just, he radiates, I don't want to be here energy is very cute. It's very endearing. I love when he literally says, because there's like another thing, because he's like, what does he, what's the first thing that he says? He's like, he wants um, you to break up with your boyfriend. Yeah, Bella's like, why did your dad pay you to come here? And Jacob's like, well. <laughs> It's yeah. not gonna sound good. Yeah, <laughs> he says it's so bad. Yeah, he said he. Yes, he, I literally that's I like the that. line I had written. It's yeah. so because bad. Title of his sex tape and Bella's oh, sex tape. Oh no! 
listen, nice. they might both nice. be swagless, but don't do him like this now. <laughs> he's not having a good prom either. And it's not even his prom. Yeah, he's crashing. That's true. It's not even his prom. And yet he has prama. He's got prama from this. We've all oh got prama. Oh my God. But it's very funny that Jacob's just like, yeah. And then she's, oh my God, Bella's like, what did she say? She was like, any, yeah. like, see anything you like and he, or something like that. And she's oh, like, yes. Oh, he kind of has game for a minute. He, he does have game because Bella like gestures around to all I the know, girls. But why does she ask that? Yeah. Oh, like she had, come on, have some self awareness. Come on, it's very compliment fishy <laughs> of her to do this. But she gestures around to all the other girls and she's like, "See anything you like?" And Jacob goes, "Yeah, but she's taken." She's like, "Damn, okay, Ugh. very straightforward." I, and then they both look away because they're all embarrassed. And I think that's really cute because Jacob's like whatever so i'm sorry jacob i didn't mean to call you swagless because that was even though you're mortified that was smooth you didn't even know yeah. it is smooth jake mm-hmm. that was a good, good little thing to say i'm loving this setup for for the future here it's really Cards fun on the table yeah however i do think like once someone had said something like that to me i would be less likely to like seek them out for one-on-one hangouts the way bella does throughout all of new moon mm, good point hey homegirl needs the attention i don't know Maybe, yeah, I think she is fishing here. She's definitely fishing. Yeah. Part two of Jacob's comment, Bella's like, oh, your dad wants me to break up with my boyfriend? Okay, I get it. And she's the only time she's a little bit mad is when Jacob implies that Billy thinks the Cullens are the ones who hurt Bella in Phoenix. And she's yeah. like, fuck you. They saved my life. Yeah. Um, and he's like, Jacob's like, oh, yeah, okay, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jacob's like, I'm not part of this, but I'll pass that along. Okay. I- <laughs> Duly noted. He's like, you look really pretty. I'm so sorry to have to tell you this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then at one point he's like, you know what? Never mind. I just I'll buy the car part that my dad promised me for doing this instead. And she's like, no, 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 just tell me. And that's when we get the um, we'll be watching you line that we do end up getting from Billy. It gets kept in the movie, which I really enjoy. Billy um, says, "We'll be watching you." The deliver his line delivery in the movie. You gotta hand it to Taylor. It was it's pretty good. cute. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, trying to be serious. It's yeah. The implications of this line are really funny because it's like. Who does Billy mean by we? Because if we if we know like Sam is already a werewolf at this point, then like yeah, okay, that's a, that's a good threat. We the werewolves will be watching you. But like none of them know that there are any werewolves at this point, right? Like so, it kind of sounds like Billy just means like himself and Harry Clearwater. Like they're gonna follow oh, these binoculars. Poor dads. They're gonna send the Collins a strongly worded letter. Middle aged men. I just like like the Billy Black Mafia, you know, like him and his old, Billy old Black. gang of friends. What did Edward refer to them as? Like the old, the aging Toothless sages. Toothless aging sages. And you know yeah. what's funny is I just realized this because we know that Charlie's relatively young. He's in his like maybe late 30s or something. Well, like, they said Renee was like 40-ish, like late 30s. Yeah. Really? So like yeah. these aging sages are like, they can't be older than like 50. No. They're like, exactly. No, so right? it's really funny calling them aging sages. It's like, you are a hundred and whatever. Yes, be quiet. These are infants. It's either 104 or eight, depending on whether you go by like book or movie timeline. But, um, and then Edward, he does eventually swoop back in, um, to yep. be a dick. Um, yep. and, and, He's immediately, he's immediately like, oh, it's not Billy Black's warnings that's making him mad. It's his son. And then she's like, what did, what did you mean? And he's like, he called you pretty. You're more than pretty. You're beautiful. Oh. Yeah, he has to <laughs> fly up Jacob in the, yeah, gag is, that. gag is literally what I had written in my notes. Thank you, Casey. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just stupid. so rough. It's to immediately one up him in the lamest possible way. It's like, has anyone ever told you you're beautiful? You no, Papa forbade mirrors in the house. And today yep. is my first day out. Literally Bella, though. Papa yep. did forbid mirrors. I have a really funny line that I saw. 
the, yeah. let me actually turn to it because it made me shriek with laughter because Bella did not need to say this, but she said this. So there's a point where she's looking around the room and she's commenting on her friends as she sees them. And mm-hmm. she's saying that she sees Mike and Jessica dancing, Jessica waves. And then she's like, oh, I see Angela there too. Looking blissfully happy in the arms of little Ben Cheney. Why do no. you have to call him little? Don't he's call so his ass little. You bitch. We know he's a short king. The smallest manlet. Little Ben Cheney. I I can't believe she said that. Yeah, why she gotta do him like that? It's That's so, so unnecessary. Really? I laughed so hard last night. I shrieked. It was so fun. What did he do to deserve that? Little Ben mm-hmm. Cheney. Just, just a short, confident king. She's gotta take him down a few pegs. Poor, poor, poor boy. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> that was my last important note other than like the ending scene, which I just summed up as don't you lie to her. I need us to read one passage of the ending scene aloud because I think okay. it's very important to get the context of this first title Let's drop. Do it. Um so I'm gonna make cast sure you're us. make sure you're picturing oh, a ooh. flightless bird American mouth in your ear. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Your That's right. You know? Okay. You gotta make sure it's planned as you're reading. I'm gonna cast Shannon you as Edward and I'll just read the other parts. <laughs> Okay, where um, oh where is where are we starting again? So setting the scene, Edward and Bella go outside because Bella's like, what's the reason for all of this, meaning prom? And he's like, oh, I'll tell you, but it's a private conversation. We have to go outside. So they go outside. They're standing in the beautiful, under some trees, and there's, the moon is out, and it's, you yeah. know, it's changing. It's dusk. Haha. <laughs> and Bella goes, so are you going to explain the reason for all of this? I wondered. Uh, they go outside. The point? I prompted softly. He ignored me, staring up at the moon. Twilight again, he murmured. Another ending, no matter how perfect the day is, it always has to end. So like once again, <laughs> she asks him a straightforward question and he just ignores it to talk about twilight, the, the time of day twilight. I can't handle him. He is so dramatic to the point where like, I almost am impressed by how ridiculous he is in this very ending scene. Boys because you don't have to do this. But Stephanie Meyer's no. like, no, it's the end. So we have to be as poetic and melodramatic and ridiculous as possible. And you yes. know what? They deliver. They fucking deliver. Oh, it's so funny. And it's like, because this is the first title drop too. She was like, what time is it? Meaning, you know, is it 630? And he goes, it's twilight. So like, big ass, we got to do, we got to really pour one out for this mm. title drop in particular. Okay. Cheers. God, I can't believe I'm drinking soju with matcha and water and coffee. Yes. And then it's it's followed immediately by a second title drop, which I think, I kind of agree with you. I think it was Casey, you said. It kind of undermines the impact of the first one to immediately say, repeat Twilight again. Um, yeah. It's funny. Because he says, you're so ready for this to be the twilight of your life. When she reveals that she didn't think it was prom. What did she think it was? The occasion. You know, just in case we we weren't aware of the fact that the first Twilight had to do with the time of day and, you know, uh, you know, an allusion to potential pre-death. You know, just in case we didn't understand that, they mentioned it again, but more explicitly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you just for holding my hand. didn't see the multiple layers. Yeah. She just put them right in front of us. Yeah, yeah. She, she was like, you guys, are, you guys are 12-year-old girls. I got to make sure. No, I appreciate that I she held my hand and out. walked me through that one. Because <laughs> when I saw the word Twilight, my brain just got all silly. So, hey, she so brought me back you, down. Stephanie, mm-hmm. I'm 29. I can understand <laughs> allegory and metaphor. Uh, speak for yourself, baby. I needed that help. <laughs>
But yeah, over the course of the conversation, she reveals, he's like, okay, so you didn't realize it was prom. <laughs> yeah. What did you think it was that we were dressing you up and putting you in the car and driving you to high school she's for? She's so embarrassed. Yeah, <laughs> she's very embarrassed about this. Oh, she <laughs> should be. good. <laughs> As she should be. Oh, that's um, funny. It would be worse if she weren't embarrassed. That's yeah, true. Yeah. I am glad that she has a little bit of mortification. She has the sense to be mortified. Yeah, but she tells Edward she thought it was what instead of prom. She thought it was going to be this like romantic ceremony to be turned into a vampire because he had finally came around and changed changed his mind which is funny because it's like do you think that he's gonna do it with no warning he doesn't give you any time to like pack a bag prepare say goodbyes write messages come up with a plan she's just like oh no this is hot let's keep moving let's keep going maybe it'll happen well and also like he just he picked her up from charlie's house imagine if he just never brought her back and was like she died (laughs) unrelated to me i wasn't there prom night gets crazy you know (laughs) what happens in forks Uh, exactly it's it's just like it's embarrassing for her but it's it's also like at the same time you know a reasonable thing to want you would just maybe hope you get a little more time to i think one of the like more like artistic i guess things like choices that happens in the movies which is those like flashes of the like black and white like the noir like vampire scene of oh them where and, like, she old... imagines edward biting yeah. her on the couch it's like yeah nothing. like that's what this kind of makes me think of you know that's like nice. that she has this like romanticized narrative mm. in her mind about how it's supposed to go and look like and he's just like <laughs> kind of fun really yeah. yeah, I do like that. It is it is kind of fun to lean into Bella as this person who's had her her ideas warped by like reading a lot of books in the gothic genre. Because she does, she hangs on the on the monster word choice a lot. Like she doesn't yeah. like admitting because he calls himself the, a monster. Which monster. we thought he was making progress. He had killed his monster. We oh, that's out for it. right, Edward. No self love. Damn it. He's, He's relapsed to calling himself a monster. He paid this much for all this therapy. Well, he's a billionaire. I don't need <laughs> shit to him anyway. Whatever. I mean, recovery isn't linear. Maybe in New Moon he'll get over it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Let's have, let's have some high hopes. Let's get a big sparkly pin out there. Place them in our high hopes at the top of the board. <laughs> boy, oh boy. They we're going to feel silly oh, for yeah. that one. Oh, yeah. I was going to mention the movie here because I feel like this scene is so iconic in the mm-hmm. film. It is. Like, can yeah. you imagine Twilight without prom? Like, it makes me very glad that Stephanie at least put it in the book as an yeah. epilogue. Yeah. And I, I really like the gazebo was so fucking cute yes. with the lights and shit. Oh my God. Yeah. They understood the assignment. Plus from a, like, I don't want to say like film analysis point of view, but the movie up until that point is very, uh, cold with its tones you know it's very blue and green and i feel like the prom is very warm and bright i've never noticed that (laughs) that's cute and then the fun transition from them slow slow dancing to victoria doing her little like to radio the hair flip and then the slow motion walk down the stairs y'all have not watched the prom scene at the end of twilight run don't walk because them victoria (laughs) in there with such a stroke of genius it really shows that you can kind of do more when you have a more omniscient point of view like if if Mm -hmm. stephanie tried to put victoria at the end of twilight like she could have tried she could have had bella maybe like look up to the school and see like a flicker of red hair in the window and be like oh i guess it's connor from math class mm. <laughs> <laughs> like some the perspective kids are of knowing roof. something 
the perspective of us knowing something that the characters don't know, mm-hmm. I think is cool. Especially because when we go into Eclipse and it's starting to hear about like all the killings and the missing people up in Seattle, like we know what's going on, but everyone else is still kind of playing catch up. And yeah. I like well, that, that was strategy. another fun thing about the movie. The movie showed James and the Pussycats killing their victims uh, <laughs> much earlier. So we had that suspense going on. But yeah, no, I mean, it, leaving aside the plot hole of like, if there's five vampires at the prom and they all fail to notice Victoria, that's a little bit embarrassing for them. <laughs> um, but in, in the movie, at least they don't show the other Collins at prom, which is like on the one hand a crime, but on the other hand, it does kind of justify, okay, maybe Edward Imagine. didn't notice Victoria because he was too focused on Bella's ankles. <sighs> Listen, I know this this smidgen of swing dancing that we got, just the the, the tiny the the taste of the swing dancing that we got in part one of Breaking Dawn, yeah. And just imagine if we had gotten just like this as it's written here come like, on. i gotta hand it to stephanie it's very fun and very funny that the collins are like doing a fucking foxtrot pasta doble in the middle of the dance floor with all these high school kids leaning against the wall like okay we're and then you have here. edward with bella on his feet waltzing around the room and it's like listen if my day at mm-hmm. prom had tried waltzing with me while dynamite by tayo cruz played in the background i would have gone and hid in the bathroom oh my god that was my next question i did that guys. at a prom what song mm. do you think they are waltzing to in 2005 Ooh. Oh. you know what oh. give me um, literally one minute okay i'm gonna go with she had them apple bottom jeans <laughs> boots with Flow the fur by flow riding yes it was yes. either um ponder replay by rihanna don't <laughs> yes. by the pussycat dolls featuring buster rhymes Oh, I Ooh, hope it was don't don't you so hard. Shit. I, either one of those. I'm trying to think of a, what's a good like cheesy like ballad though that was probably played as like the slow song. Do you think? What is uh make my way downtown? Oh, Boulevard of <laughs> Carlton was really big in 2005. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. I mm-hmm. feel like Bella should love Vanessa Carlton, but she has Stephanie. We Myers belong together. Mariah no, Carey. She's definitely a Fiona Apple girl. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. I feel like mind. she wishes she were a Fiona Apple girl. <laughs> <laughs> but Phil has true. to, like, bully yeah. her to listen to Linkin Park. True, true. <laughs> oh, I Will Follow You Into the Dark by Death Cab. Oh, Perry. wait. Yeah, you're yeah. right. That's it. That's it. Stephanie does love her some Death Cab. You're so fucking right. Like cab for cutie. No, I think it was Doncha. I'm happy with Doncha. <laughs> No, see, I, I like the idea of them slow dancing to Death Cab, but the idea of Emmett being a fucking idiot to Doncha on the dance floor. Like, that's what I want to picture. We all want to see Emmett shaking his ass to the pussycat dolls, baby. Backflips, doing backflips. Yep, got, got to do the backflips. Instead of MVP this chapter, we should vote for Prom King. <gasps> Ooh. Genius. Well, do we have any that's other um, comments before we get to our voting? Because I think my last thing I really just wanted to acknowledge was the whole Edwards, I will stay with you. Isn't that enough? Which is like, don't mm. It's so different. It's so different. Light of Midnight's I, I enjoy what the movie did. But yeah, in the book, it's just kind of like Edward being like, well, isn't this enough? And Bella's like, well, yeah, but what about the future? And he's like, I don't even know what the future is. Don't ever ask me that again. Yeah. <laughs> ever ask me that again. She's like, okay, I'll go ask Alice. And he's like, extra, don't do that. Ask <laughs> Alice, please do. But yeah, it's just, it ends with, and he leaned down to press his cold lips once more to my throat, which, ooh, first of all, but also, I mean, I guess that's 
I kind of like that sentence. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fun like yeah. note to end on. To be like, it is fun. Let go. Lips, throat, vampirism. Yeah. I had to think about it though because the wording of using throat versus neck made me think for a minute. And I don't know. I like I went down a brief like <laughs> went down a brief rabbit hole that was like, what exactly defines the throat? And I it mm. is it is the tunnel, but it is also specifically just the front part here. Yeah, well, I, I was picturing the movie where he does kiss the front part. She has her head yeah. tilted back. Oh, You're right. that's right. So I have to think about that. That's kind of like, hot in the movie. Oh. I'll say that. Yeah, they did, no, really they, they did a good job with the blocking. It's very horny. Yeah. <laughs> very I'm, not even, I'm not even going to elaborate. I don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't have any other comments, I don't think, for this entire chapter. I'm scrolling down. Oh, that was it for me, too. Nice. What about you, Casey? Do you have any other um comments quotes closing thoughts anything at all yeah. okay well i mean hey like g has de- g hath declared we must pronounce a prom king and prom queen hooray um, prom king has to be ben cheney because fuck you bella little ben you're so right you're so right you yeah. know what for once yeah. sympathy vote i'm sympathy voting for ben yeah, also because for little ben ben is uh, the only one there whose girlfriend is having like a good time aside from <laughs> Alex, <you know? laughs> yeah. so he might be little but i don't know he might not be little everywhere you know hey, i whoa. can't whoa. stand it here i'm glad this whoa. is it <laughs> I'm glad this is the epilogue chapter. You're gonna fucking kill me. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Ben Cheney, prom king. Prom queen. I want to give it to Rosalie or Alice, but I don't know who I want. I want to give it to to Alice for the non con makeover. I think she doesn't. She's an unsung hero. Dubcon makeover. This is such dubious consent. She really is like, you know, when you put clothes on a cat, you know, like that's what she had to do all day with Bella. Not only did she do that, but then she also got dressed in her slutty dress with the triangle Mm, cutouts cutouts, and and showed out at prom. So there's that. What about you, Casey? I'm going to give it to Rosalie only because she gives me like Regina George energy that I feel like she's the scary hot girl that everyone voted for because they were scared of what would happen if she didn't win. <laughs> Wait, that's actually really good. I'm going to I'm going to save Rosalie for Midnight Sun though cuz she gets to do a little more in that chapter. Ooh. Uh, pin in, okay. pin in Rosalie. Sexy okay, we'll pin. put pin we'll put Rose back on the board. So <laughs> We got little Ben Cheney and little Alice Cullen. Oh, wait, yeah. The tiniest prom king. That would be so cute. Ever was. Short kings, short queens. I know. He would still look tall in comparison to her because he's only supposed to be like, what, like 5'5 or 5'6 or something. It's not Yeah, it's not like that short. It's just because every man in this series is like 6'7, including So true. (laughs) That's so true. Oh, right. Well, Twilight. Speaking of Bo. We love you, but it's time for Baby Bo. Are we switching up books? It's time for Baby Bo. Oh, wait. Before we start um, Life and Death, we skipped the um, timeline check-in because we're bad at this because it might be the last episode. I mean... Do we forget things? Or not the last episode, but... The timeline is a little more um, complicated in the epilogue than it is in the other chapters because it's different for all three uh, chapters for once. So... Bella's prom oh, right. takes place in quote unquote May. I'm not sure if Twilight Lexicon gives us an exact date of when they think Forks High School prom was, but let me mm. Google it. Yay! Um, but we know it was May of 2005, so a couple couple months time skip because we left off on I believe it was March 18th. Um, yeah. 
was the last chapter. Life and Death, on the other hand, starts on at the same time, just where, right where it left off. Oh, for Midnight Sun, yeah. Uh, the, you know, with Bella's recovery in the hospital. So it, it goes from March through May, because spoiler alert, it's also prom. It's also Forks High School prom. Um, this one is where we get a little different, because we don't <laughs> yeah. get an exact timeline. No, but yeah, Life and Death, I think we have to yeah. assume with our logic that this chapter is occurring still in March, maybe like a week or two later in March, because big ass fucking revelation, the occasion that mm -hmm. is referenced by the title of Twilight and Midnight Sun it's is prom. prom. The I'm occasion referenced by Life and Death is what, Shannon? It's a funeral, baby, but not just any funeral. It's Bo's funeral. We get a chapter that starts in Bo's <laughs> funeral and takes us on through that lovely little march there. But Can I do a dramatic gasp really quick? Yeah, yeah you ahead. had a great reaction can, can visually. You, can you just say Bo it's Bo's funeral one more time? It's it's Bo's funeral. <gasps> so before we actually talk about Bo's funeral, I want to talk about something very quickly. Um, last chapter ended with Bo having a couple little dramatic sentences that he and Edith are preparing to go back to the Cullen house. And there was one of those lines that got me thinking because it really rang a weird rusty bell in my brain. So now that we're in the epilogue and I feel like I can talk about life and death is more of a whole for the most part. I, I want to have a quick break and it's not much of a TED talk that I'm about to give, but it's a little bit of some, some Music silly lesson. conspiracy nonsense that I want to share. Not conspiracy, but Hell you'll yeah. see soon. So when you go back to the very end of chapter 24 of Life and Death, which is Change, last episode, we get a line from Bo that, again, this shit stuck with me. And it is the second to last line before this epilogue here begins. But because of how deep I fell down this rabbit hole, I had to save this discussion for today. Mm -hmm. um, and the line is... We support you. We ran together into the darkness that wasn't dark, and I was unafraid. And for some reason, this line really stuck with me because like fear hasn't been much of a theme with Bo at all, really. He's more like level-headed and it takes a lot more to get like any emotional reactions out of him. That isn't like embarrassment. Uncertainty. He says he has uncertain eyes yes. and then certain eyes. Exactly. That's the kind of yeah. But like there. embarrassment isn't even like a thing that he controls. So the fact that we're like looped into this discussion of fear at this part, it kind of strikes me as interesting because it doesn't really fit with his theme. Of course, the uncertainty. Yes, because we have the callbacks to his eyes being uncertain. And then he's like growing comfortable. And then now he's got this easy confidence that he sees reflected in his eyes at the end. And that's like his whole thing, his uncertainty. But the line I was unafraid. It, I could not get this shit out of my brain. And some people who are listening might have a little bit of a clue as to what I'm referring to. But this shit ran such a, Casey's nodding. This rang such a loud bell in my brain because it took several minutes after I read this line last episode to realize that it's from a lyric I really love. And now if you're following along at home and it also sounds familiar to you, then you would recognize that as a lyric from the song Famous Last Words from the My Chemical Romance album, The Black Parade. The line is, I see you lying next to me with words I thought I'd never speak, awake and unafraid, asleep or dead. And then there's another line a little longer that's like, I'm not afraid to keep on living. I am not afraid to walk this world alone. Honey, if you stay, I'll be forgiven. Nothing you can say can stop me going home. And I feel like that's just the exact same conversation that Bo and Edith just had. But 
we'll put we'll we'll pause on that one there. When was Life and Death released? Life and Death was released in 2015. So after she couldn't get MC on any of the soundtracks and she was salty about it. Hey, who's to say? Because this song, the line that I just recited comes from the second to last song on the album. It's called Famous Last Words. And the yeah. only song that follows this song is a bonus track. And Casey, can you tell the people the name of the bonus track slash hidden track that that comes after Famous Last Words, the very last track on the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance? Can you is tell the epilogue? people what it's called? Blood. Blood! Oh. <laughs> it's called Blood. So here is my hottest take on life and death. And it's that you cannot convince me that that line, we ran together into the darkness that wasn't dark and I was unafraid, was not at least loosely inspired by that MCR lyric. And maybe it was subconscious, but now listen, I'm going to try to be as concise as possible with this because I don't want to get too into it, even though I'm pretty fucking into it now. And I don't also want any diehard My Chemical Romance fans to come for me because y'all frighten me. And if I get this wrong, don't be mad, but listen. Um, Real quick, um, the My Chemical Romance album, The Black Parade, is a concept album whose main storyline centers a man who is suffering from a late stage cancer diagnosis. And he has to suddenly come face to face with like his untimely demise. And anyone who listens to the album, or if you want to go and listen to it now, you can see the themes of death in every portion of this album. It is everywhere. Um, Twilight came out in 2005. Life and Death came out in 2015. This album came out in 2006. So this came out after Twilight. NG, I know you've mentioned before that Stephanie Meyer did go on record at some point to say that MCR was useful when she wrote Jacob's character. Um, New Moon is where she said she was really listening to MCR, yeah. Mm-hmm, which really tracks with the timeline of when everything was written and coming out. And um, now it's my turn to go on the record and say that I am convinced <laughs> that the Black Parade helped Stephanie Meyer write Life and Death. And like, I know it's not included in the acknowledgements in the end. And there are three albums that we do get at the end in the acknowledgements of Life and Death. And those three albums are um, the self-titled Royal Blood by Royal Blood, um, Seeds by TV on the Radio, and 2.0 by Big Data. And um, it's funny because I've been seeing a lot of Royal Blood recently because it keeps popping up in Locked Doom playlists. And Big Data is honestly pretty great for anybody who really likes the vibe and the feel of the actual Twilight soundtracks. I didn't listen to Seeds by TV on the radio. I just didn't have enough time to do it. But um, these albums are bangers. Yeah, I mean, we've established, like, Stephanie's got some good music taste. Yes. (laughs) I gotta say, for all you lovely listeners at home, let let the record show that when Shannon first approached me with this theory, I was, like, (laughs) very skeptical. I mean, like, I, first of all, I haven't listened to, like, I've only listened to the real, like, you know, mainstream, I guess, MCR song. Mm -hmm. So, like, I I didn't have this reference. And I was like, really, just because of the word afraid? Like, she's reaching, Your Honor. I don't know about this. Um, But... I am about to eat my words because I found something in Midnight Sun that could not more obviously be an Austin reference. And I'm about to go on the exact same tangent that Shannon <laughs> just went on. About I'm loving this. Secret Stephanie Meyer dog whistles and Easter eggs. And like, yeah, it's plausible. I think this could totally be, you know, Bo inspiration. She, We know she loves to listen to albums over and over again as she's writing. Like, we know yes. she does that. The, there is a lot of like vampire themes within MCR as like 
their whole discography art piece yeah because i know of multiple people who have my chemical romance tattoos that are vampire themed and yeah if you say awake and unafraid like everybody is like it triggers something <laughs> you get you get chills down your everybody spine. who's ever heard that song turns their head and they're like where's this awake my chemical romance reference coming from and it's Asleep so good are dead. dead it's fantastic it and what's funny yes. is that we're going back to the vampire money reference because we all know at this point about vampire money because we know that my chemical romance they were asked to provide a song for the new moon soundtrack <laughs> and we all know that they turned it down everybody knows that because of basically like the commodification of being a dark and edgy presence with the vampire media that was out at the time. Like there was Twilight, True Blood was also very popular at the time. And I found this really interesting quote that Gerard gave to in an interview at some point talking about this, where he says, originally what we did was take goth and put it with punk and turn it into something dangerous and sexy. Then he says, back then, no one in the normal world was wearing black clothes, eyeliner. Um, he says, we did it because we had one mission to polarize, to irritate, to contaminate, then he says, but then that image gets romanticized and then it gets commoditized. And so I think that's really interesting um, that he says that. And everybody's like, but the thing is, she didn't list this album at the end. Obviously, because of all this has happened, I don't imagine Stephanie Meyer ever really mentioning my chemical romance's name, except for maybe with idle references here and there that she's hmm. yeah. Because this whole thing back in the day really got... It was kind of nuts, but I do want to say, let me show you what both of these protagonists have, because we have the patient in the Black Parade, and we have Bo Swan in Life and Death, and both of these these guys have, or both of these pieces a of A young media. boy brought into the city. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. We have a protagonist. A young boy <laughs> brought me into Forks. Right into forks. So we have this protagonist who is alluded to growing up feeling misunderstood or like an outcast of sorts, which is both an MCR thing and a YA thing in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have an overarching theme of mortality and death. It's everywhere. Um, there mm -hmm. is a sympathetic protagonist who fears the, the way his death may affect the people or person that he loves. Um, the oh. next few points are kind of jokey points, but I have to pull them out. Um, mommy issues. Um, <laughs> drug mentions which we all know are for boys now that we've gotten this far into the book um mm -hmm. teenagers um oh. and then to end on a more serious note with this list we have an eventual undead type of ending with talk of succumbing to death with a sort of like stolid fearlessness that certainty that Bo talks about having um, half in love with easeful death blah blah you know mm -hmm. stuff. and see and then we get Blood, which is the hidden final track on the album, which has such fantastic lines such as, so give them blood, blood, gallons of the stuff, give them all that they can drink and it will never be enough. Mm. And that's, first of all, a fire line. There are also another couple um, really great lyrics in earlier songs at the very intro part. There is a line that says, if you look in the mirror and don't like what you see, you can find out firsthand what it's like to be me. And this is at the very beginning of the story. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a really funny line that's like, so gather around, piggies and kisses goodbye. And every time I say the word piggies, I laugh. Pig boy. And then he says, when I grow up, I want to be nothing at all. Mm -hmm. I like that. I kind of thought to Mama, the like, uh, 
you should have raised a baby girl. I could have been a better son or whatever that line is. Oh. Um, Gender flipping. Uh, that's right. Yeah. There's a lot of mom. things. There's a lot um, of but crazy lyrics. If you're yeah. listening to this and you're only familiar with the Black Parade because of the title song and teenagers, this is your yeah. sign to listen to the album start to finish. That's oh, so have to good. Do that, it's fantastic. Just listen to their whole discography if you haven't. Just do it. No, and but the Black Parade especially because it's really just a whole long yeah. um, album it's dedicated beautiful. to death and facing death and what that yeah. means for the people that you love and what that means that you're leaving behind and the fact that this so directly just relates to this whole book of life and death because now that Bo has faced death because now he has to go in and just be this undead being. All mm. of the things that he's been thinking about, we've been talking about how he's so much more sympathetic, empathetic, because he really thinks about what's going to happen with other people. And that's a big, big theme as part of this album, um, which I and just find chapter. so fascinating. And in this chapter, especially. And it's funny because some of the other albums that she does list, Stephanie Meyer, they're good. Um, and they have like the connections that if you squint, but you don't have to squint here is what I'm saying. And it almost makes no, me sad the divide that's been created between old MCR stands who can't move past this whole vampire money. Fuck Twilight stands. Gerard Way stuck his middle finger up at the system <sighs> because fuck your sparkly vampires. So there's this whole <laughs> divide between those my, my old My Chemical Romance fans and then the Twilight fans who just view these MCR stands as like haters and no, we're being bullied. And I, listen, th- I'm going to end this discussion here with just the wish that we could all come together in the end <laughs> and unite like the good Lord mm-hmm. intends. Because when it comes to death, dying, blood, vampires, love, Catholic guilt, let's all shake <laughs> on that one. Because we know that's what we're getting from My Chemical Romance. And that's what we get yeah, from Twilight, is. baby. And I think we should meet in the middle and join hands and just shake on that one as friends and not as enemies. <laughs> because... Cool. I really think that it's just, it's something that if you like Twilight, My Chemical Romance has a lot of great shit for you. And if you like My Chemical Romance, if you really fucking hyperanalyze this shit on a podcast over the course of a year, then hey, maybe you too mm-hmm. can find some some connections here and there. <laughs> but um, that's really all I had to say is just, I really do well, think. You just made an entire Pepe Silvia wall. So thank you for that. We're going to all have to go listen to these connect, songs now. Bitch. And I, I shouldn't complain about that. I mean, I was I was just in Seattle. I was driving through the Cascades and we listened to all the like Twilight. You know, we listened to Eyes on Fire. We listened to all the Paramore. Just, it, was a, it was a good vibe. Yeah. Amazing. But yeah, enough of that and my little um, conspiracy board rabbit hole that I fell down. <laughs> Let's push all that aside. Let's talk about themes later and talk about Bo's sad ass funeral holy shit it's so macabre that we start right the fuck off with talk about coffins versus urns and how the burned corpse that they found in Bo's truck was not there wasn't enough left to need a coffin which is like damn thanks for that that's grisly yeah the hearse was but of course that immediately begs the question whose burned corpse was it and how was it obtained? So what answer do we get, Shannon? Well, what we find out is that um, Archie and Eleanor, because we did find out last episode that boy does Alice love to um, just fucking stage crime, crime yeah. and just really cover everyone's tracks. Take some evidence. 
steal blood from the hospital, steal a cancer patient's duffel bag. Crimes, crimes, (laughs) crimes. But Archie said, no, 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 I don't want to be left out of this. And Archie and Eleanor apparently dug up and defiled a newly deceased person the same size as Bose to stick in Bose truck, stage a car crash, fire, whatever, and just to get away with it and give them an alibi. And Bo even remarks on this thinking, I really hope whoever this is doesn't mind being buried next to my grandparents. <laughs> That's so funny. And it's he really- He hopes his really grandparents s- don't mind. He's like, I never met him. It's a stranger. It's, it's just so crazy to me. That the Cullens are just like, hey, sometimes we have to dig up a body to use for a crime. This Everybody does it's it. It's not their first rodeo. They've done this before. The amount of shit that Edward or Edith doesn't let us know about the things that they've done to get away with crimes is like, hold on. I need a bullet pointed list of the shit you guys have done to cover up Jasper and Jessamine's slips. I want to know what happened when Maria came and found you guys at Calgary and you had to move immediately. I want to know how the FBI was on your trail and you had to fucking run from the feds. Well, we did. We kept a tally during the car chase chapter of the number of crimes. And since we we don't know what what girl crimes the Collins may have committed in Phoenix in life and death, we can this can be their their two crimes, right? They staged this car wreck in Nevada and they stole a corpse. <laughs> To yes, set it on did. fire. <laughs> uh, it's honestly, it's it's so sad when you're reading it. But honestly, when you take a step back, you're like, that is so fucked well, up. Well, that that's kind of the crazy funny. thing about this chapter is that it's like a lot of like genuine sadness in between yes. the most bonkers shit, like this corpse stealing business. Because like yeah. the descriptions of Charlie and Renee grieving are like oh. genuinely, genuinely. Oh, it's so sad. Painful. It oh, said Charlie looked 20 years older and my mom moved like she was sleepwalking. If she hadn't had the casket to hold on to, I'm not sure she would have been able to walk in a straight line. And like, think of oh, those wow. last words to Charlie, intended to be hurtful, intending yeah. to hurt him so That's that so Charlie would up. let him go. It well, Bro really thinks you. about them. Bo thinks about yeah. his last words to Charlie and starts non-crying because he's a vampire oh no listen this non-cry because this entire book stephanie meyer has not allowed Bo to cry because boy she's been edging him this is the woman moment that i refer to in my summary because stephanie meyer tries to let Bo cry but now that Bo's a fucking vampire he can't cry Mm. so we get the vampire version the twilight vampire version of crying here where it's kind of like breath hitches is really the only yeah. thing that happens. Like, it's like dry you know, sobs. Dry sobs, yeah. He can't even shed a tear now because he physically oh cannot shed a tear now. It's The inability up. to cry is like pretty good body horror. People have, yeah. have mentioned it a Okay, lot. so like, yeah. quick side question. <laughs> has anyone... Has anyone ever tried explaining the science of how a vampire cannot cry, but somehow... Cannot? For... Fertile ejaculate came out of Edward. <laughs> oh God, not but, fertile ejaculate. But tears. <laughs> no, and I wish oh. I wish their biology made more sense. Are too much, but the swimmers are all right. The swimmers are all right, and I wish that they could cry because you can make it still fucked up in vampire. You can make yes. it venom. You can make it blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, 
I think it's it's like like everything. It's like the rule of for the drama. Like it's dramatic if Edward's like, and I couldn't even cry. Um, just as it's dramatic if he's like, but I could get her pregnant with a monster baby. Like, <laughs> Ew, I hate it here. It's one of those. It's all about suspending our disbelief, fucking up into the rafters. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. I saw yeah. how to let my disbelief out of the fucking basement. Mine's hanging well. from a crane. It's so high. <laughs> But we get some more really heartbreaking shit in this um in this funeral because we yeah. re- we oh. learn who the pallbearers are. Yeah. It's um we got a whole list. It's Charlie and Renee. We get Phil, Alan, so um, Angela. boy Angela, and his dad, the Reverend Weber, and he didn't get gender swapped. Oh, true. Although, oh yeah, this his, is dad. That's so yeah, weird. Can dad. women be reverends? It depends on the denomination. I guess we can. This can help yeah, us yeah. narrow down what denomination is Angela. Mm. <laughs> No, if honestly, good point. No, no female clergy yeah. in this. And then mm. other pallbearers are Jeremy, which is boy Jessica. And then um, Bonnie Black with Jules pushing the wheelchair, which is just fucking Christ. Oh. And then Bo has this really heartbreaking um, line where he says, I wish they would let my mom leave. She was sagging into Phil yeah. and I knew she needed to lie down. Charlie was holding up better but he looked brittle. And right oh. now the, what the kind of staging for this scene is that they are about two miles away and they, as in Bo and Edith are about two miles away from. They're this, watching like, from a tree. Funeral procession. The outdoor part. They didn't get to go to the indoor part. He doesn't even know what was said about him. Exactly. And so, yeah, they're up a tree and they're kind of just watching from there. Edith can't really hear any thoughts because they're too far away. And I assume that they can't also hear their actual voices either. Um, but yeah, they're kind of, he's just spying on his own funeral. Um, and it's don't just really suspicious. Sad. Don't be suspicious. Um, and <laughs> we find out that the plan for the future, the like nebulous plan they have is that like, oh, Edith is going to be too distraught for the next school year. So Ernest is going to like homeschool her. Right. Um, because that, they say like Edith couldn't even come to the funeral because she's so sad is the Cullen exactly. cover story. Because the other Cullens yeah. are there. And I think it's notable that they're wearing oh. light gray. <laughs> Everyone else is wearing black. The other Cullens are there. And I have to give a shout out to Eleanor Cullen because she's at Bo's fucking funeral trying (laughs) not to laugh. And like, it's not funny. But at the same time, it is the absolute funniest thing that could be happening in the scene because she looks up and she can like see them watching. And she's like trying not to- She's like, LOL, y'all see this shit? Y'all see your grieving parents? Eleanor! Oh my god! Isn't it so funny that Charlie's crying and Renee can't stand up? Like, (laughs) and and I love this because we go from Eleanor trying not to laugh on them, right, and then we jump into Bo not being able to cry. So it's like, damn, don't make me laugh and then hit me with this. We neither laugh nor cry in this chapter. (laughs) It's just, it's so ridiculous. It just spins you right round and says, "Good luck. Try to figure out how you're supposed to feel." Well, and I think it's it's really sweet that Archie brings Renee a chair. And oh, Bo is like, I wonder if he saw that she was going to fall. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, my heart. It's fucked up. Um, I adore that we do get a moment where Edith tells Bo what she like would have done if Bo had stayed human. So they kind of mm. they kind of watch the the funeral trickle out. Charlie's the last one to leave. He's just No, can I read that there. sentence? It's so oh, sad. It's it. so it's sad. Heartbreaking. So like everyone slowly leaves and finally like Phil and Renee leave. Charlie stayed alone while the funeral home employees filled the hole in. He didn't watch. He sat in the chair that my mom had used and stared away to the north. 
Oh, and that's the moment when Bo breaks and starts non-crying. It's just, oh man. Oh, Charlie. The last shit he said to him was made to hurt. And now he's dead, quote unquote, undead. But and also filled so... the hole in title of your sex tape. I'm going to reach <laughs> through my computer screen and somehow smack you. How dare you? It wasn't me. It was Stephanie. She you're was... laughing. Charlie's boy is dead. And you're laughing. Call me Eleanor Cullen because I'm laughing. Sometimes the only way to heal your childhood trauma is to traumatize your parents right back. So <laughs> Yes. Yes. Thank you, Casey. I support I it. You know what I'm going to do real quick? I forgot to introduce my snack for the this chapter. And I have a, a green apple that I've green apple. Green greatest with apple that I have Aww. caught up. And I can't even enjoy it now because I have to deal with you too. <laughs> I'm drinking, you know, to the deceased. <laughs> True. To mm. the deceased. <laughs> R.I.P. Buddy. Mm-mm. So after I got, mm, sorry. So eventually, that scene comes to pass, and we get Edward talking to Bo like, "Oh, this is what I would have done." Edith. And what we get then, or Edith, sorry, Edith talking about about what she would have done if he had survived. And we get basically a vague description of what Edward tries to do with Bella in Twilight. Edward's Mm -hmm. plan to be like, oh, I'll just simply, I'll stay with you and I'll be with you as as you age and grow old and we'll get married. And Bo laughs in her face and calls it a horrible (laughs) idea. Which is hysterical. So So valid. So valid. He's like, he says he would probably get locked up. He was like, I'd be fucking old as shit dating this 17-year-old girl. Like, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> it's so silly. And then there is um, a part because she's like, oh, we would have gotten married. And he kind of goes back and he was like, wait a second. You would have married me? And I think that scene is really cute. But also slow down because you just became a vampire and also just watched your own funeral. Like, these kids are a little nuts. Well, yeah, they basically get engaged in this tree in the least, the most anticlimactic way possible, literally. Like, he's like, oh, you'd marry me? And she's like, yeah, anytime. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And she's like, was that a proposal? And he's like, I mean, yeah, I guess. That's like it. That's like it. He was like, yeah, Archie's already seen it happening. And then Considering that, like, Edward and Bella spend, like, all of Eclipse, like, blackmailing each other and negotiating and making it such a big blackmailing blue balling yeah so much but after Bo gives his idea of what would have happened which you said it's basically the rest of twilight like he always oh he's like oh i would have lived a few more years maybe would have gone to college and then we would like at some point you know in a in a near off future like have to disappear and then we could change me then because no edith says like oh and we she kind of gives this long ass timeline of like we'd get married and it kind of implied to be like in Bo's 30s and like grow old together on a very like normal human timeline and then Bo is like no we could like go to college for a couple years but then come back and like get married when we're like 20 when I'm like 20 and have like a big ass wedding with all of our family and friends invited and not have to do the like cloak and dagger vampire pretending to be dead shit um and then she says and then he says then we would go you know back to another far away school and fake our death together um, which is cute. And I like the idea of faking their death together. Aww. It's very Aww. romantic, but Edith says, right, she said, rolling her eyes. And then we all have to worry. And then all we have to worry about is never aging, dot, 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 and getting on the bad side of the Volturi, dot, dot, dot. I'm sure that would end well, which, well, which Bo replies. She, 
okay, okay, you're right. There is no other version. I loved that line. I love the, the silly. He said it again. Like, you Once again, you missed some context, though, because she says that because he says, maybe once I'm a mature vampire and all under control, I could see my family and friends again. Yeah. And she's like, no, oh. <laughs> that's breaking the law. The Volturi would come murder us. So it's very much lampshading. Yeah, Yeah. like the fact that Bella gets to have her cake and eat it too and have this wedding with her family and friends and see them after she's a newborn vampire. Um, And it shows that Stephanie Meyer has some kind of awareness of, yes, I understand what you all think has been super unrealistic and silly mm -hmm. about what happened in the remaining books. Yes, we get it. It's so unlikely and it's silly and it's a horrible idea and they're going to laugh in each other's face while they discuss what would have happened (laughs) if he'd stayed alive. So I kind of enjoy that. I think that's kind of fun. That's Yeah, no, Edith and Bo literally just dragged the shit out of Edward and Bella. They just laughed at their whole life story. They're like, that's fucking dumb. It's really good. I really like that, actually. Yeah, Um, no, good for them. It is. I I really actually appreciate it, especially since Life and Death is They said, this is a Renesmee free timeline, bitches. Mm, Yes, it is. And that's what we see here in this household. No demon babies? No demon babies babies for Edith and Bo. Good for them. Crazy, right? Um, Edith has a really sweet line where she says, you're the life I was waiting for. And I just wrote, aww. A thousand years so MP3. Aww, it's cute! Uh, um, oh, I have a funny part because we get um, um, Bo, when Kareen calls Edith eventually, can hear a trilling on the other end of the phone but can't make out the words. And you know what? I at least appreciate the oh. fact that Stephanie Meyer is consistent with this whole vampires can't overhear conversations thing. True. So I'll give her that. I'm just that's all I have I to say. I missed that. Yeah, I missed that. But like, he can't hear the phone conversation. He could just hear a trilling mm. on the other end of the phone. But yeah, G's right. This is where drama starts. Kareem calls and is like, "Um, hey, could you guys come home? There's some fucking werewolves here, and they're trying to kill us. <laughs> wolves, 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 wolves." <laughs> Oh and Bo doesn't get that. He doesn't hear the conversation. So he just sees Edith like fucking take off running. And I love that it tells us that Edith, even though she's shorter than him, is still way faster. So I, I love that. Let her have that. And what happens next is just such a strange, it's so fast that it, it it's kind of confusing at points because they race back to the house and there are three werewolves in like the back yard and Eleanor grabs Bo because he's like hold on Edith's they've like corralled the Cullens like sheepdogs into a clump and Kareen is like standing in front of them like uh like, could we maybe it. try to communicate about this hold what's on. happening like, please translate Edith and I think it's really funny that it takes so long for them to get Bo to start talking about what happened because Bo's like what's going on and they're like there's no time for that Bo does not understand that these are werewolves, even though he was told the werewolves mm. were real while he was changing. It was straight history. Remember straight history? Um, so he, <laughs> he should be able to make this connection, but he does not. He just, Edith literally runs up and starts talking to the wolf. She's addressing girl Sam. Girl Sam is the big black wolf. Oh, so confused. Whose name is still Sam. Bo is just like, what's happening? There's a really funny line where Eleanor <laughs> mentions that Edith is translating and Bo says, Eleanor had said Edith was translating. Did she speak wolf? <laughs> like hysterical he's so ready to believe that she can just fucking talk to animals he's like i mean we're immortal vampires stranger things you know i love that youthful innocence (laughs) i know he's just a little guy you know he's tall but he's just a little guy he's a little guy but they're trying to get Bo to just start talking them to tell the wolves what happened because the wolves are there because they're like the collins broke the treaty the collins 
right. turned you into well, a vampire. Well, first think, they think they killed Bo. And then they're like, Karina's like, could you bring Bo? And then like, Bo's like, hi, um, I'm not dead. What's happening? Like, I don't know what's going on. And he's like, wait, werewolves are real. What's going yeah. on? I don't understand. And the entire time they're like, Bo, Bo, just start talking. Just tell them. And he's like, well, hold on a minute. What's happening here? Yeah, they need proof it's- of life. Well, and then they, they have to have a second meeting because they're like, we can't freaking talk to you when you're wolves. so fast. It's The pacing is very rapid, yeah. Um, so they're like, okay, second meeting, and um, we need Bo there, we need Edith there, we need Kareen there. And Eleanor's like, oh, I'll come too to restrain Bo, because the meeting is going to be with Bonnie, who is a human. Yeah. Oh, we should have mentioned too, Bonnie held oh, Charlie's yeah. hand at the funeral. Damn, Bonnie. Um, it was implied to be like for friendship and solidarity, but I don't know. I mean, my Listen, Stephanie why, Meyer wait, Why couldn't Billy hold his hand in friendship and solidarity? Well, yes, yeah, I, I said, I want Bella to homophobic. die so that Billy can hold Charlie's hand at the funeral. Yeah, you know? me too. And Chili rice. we'll talk about this more next episode, but this, the comments that Stephanie Meyer has made about Charlie and Bonnie make me want to oh, gouge my own eyes out. Yeah, um, but yeah. I I want to smack you that you brought that up about oh my god Bonnie held Charlie's hand you shut up right now Stephanie <laughs> that's Steph that's the devil speaking through you G that's Stephanie speaking yeah, through you no no I mean I'm I'm thinking of it in the context of Billy would hold Charlie's hand in the same situation you know in my heart in my universe. because he loves him exactly mm-hmm. Chili Rice um anyway <laughs> Bonnie Bonnie Black is the current acting chief. Um, they said that Sam is like the secret were chief because she's the head werewolf. Um, but for for public public facing reasons, Bonnie is the current chief. Because there's like a there's a chief, and then there's like the alpha of the active werewolves, right? But they specifically want Bonnie because Bonnie is the great granddaughter of the um, person that they made the original right. treaty with. So they're yes. like Bonnie, let's get her out here. Let's bring her in. Ephraim, yeah. This poor woman. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they, Bonnie is like, I, I need a meeting. We're gonna, I'm going to bring my other, my wolf girls, and you guys can only bring three people, which that strikes me as like, damn, you're actually making yourself less safe by only allowing the Collins to bring three people, because now there aren't enough people to restrain Bo if he goes on a little newborn yeah. vampire rampage. You have Kareen and Edith. They're going to restrain this six-foot, who-knows-what, newborn vampire. No wonder Eleanor and Justamine were like, hold on, let's think this through. And you was just like, there's no time. We gotta (laughs) go. It was so fast. Like, Eleanor was like, wait, wait, we can't just sick Bo on this poor, helpless human. And she's like, yes, we can. Let's go. We we have to for the plot. (laughs) (laughs) For the plot. Uh I think it's funny that Bo has a little breakdown, though, about it. Because he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't bring me to this human. Yeah, he's like, I can't fucking kill Bonnie. That's my dad's best friend. And my dad just lost me. He can't lose Bonnie. (laughs) My funeral was 45 minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah, well, it makes me, like, I hate to say it, but I want the AU where Bo fucks up and kills Bonnie. Because he just established the stakes. He's like, if I slip up and harm Bonnie, there's going to be a fucking all-out war between the Cullens and the werewolves. And I'm going to ruin Charlie's life death of the ah shit variety exactly damn not even a fun one no yeah they're not even gonna drink that nasty werewolf blood that's too bitter for them um gross <laughs> but um so there was three wolves at the cullen's house they run yes. off we have this weird oh there's no time to think things through logically let's go kareen Bo, and edith take off Bo has his mini hold on i don't think i could do this breakdown and then they meet up with two wolves 
Bonnie in a car being driven by a mystery woman who looks like Sam. They say she was tall and looked strong and who ends up being Paula, which is girl Paula. Paula, sure. That's an easy one. Yeah, that's an easy one. That was kind of a freebie for Stephanie right there. Just stick an A on the end. (laughs) And when this happened, I was like, damn, I almost feel bad because now you only have two wolves and they have three vampires. And now you've got to have one of these wolves carry poor Bonnie. And when they're carrying Bonnie towards the Cullens in the woods. It's so funny because they stop first like 30 yards away and Bonnie is like, my eyesight's not as good as yours. She's like irritated. And then they go like, like hi, feet I'm forward. a human. <laughs> and then she's like, I can't still, I still can't see as well as you. And it's just really funny. I think it's Bonnie's really funny that Bonnie's like, up for her right. this, what did you do to the boy? <laughs> she's like, I need my, give me my accommodations here. Hello, I'm a human, you dumbasses. I, I fucking hate that Edith calls the wolves barely legal she's like oh yeah with these barely legal wolves which like girly what does that make 17 year old Bo if freaking 19 year old sam is barely legal don't like that's just such a weird way to describe young adults barely legal barely legal. ew as a 104 year old vampire it's like this is icky you just got engaged to 17 year old Bo. it's It's like when older people call it's like when older people call uh younger women jailbait like it's like it gives the same creepiness of that you know it does have those vibes you're right it was just so random so so out of pocket so weird um, I also like that Bo, when he's thinking about trying not to kill Bonnie, he says, here was my chance to mess things up in a really spectacular way. <laughs> that's the title of his sex tape. Bo is funny. I like Bo. He is baby. He's funny even when he's like stressing, you know? He's, yeah, which I appreciate just as a, as a trait in anyone, human mm-hmm. or fictional. Um, but I love they, anyone who uses humor to cope. Exactly. And Bo does a pretty good job. He's had some pretty dry humor. He's got a pretty good job of doing that. Um, but the way that the Cullens end up working around this whole, you broke the treaty because you bit a human thing is that Joss technically was the one who bit Bo first. So it's not really their fault is kind of what it comes out to be. Right. It was, Um, he was going to turn inevitably. It was turn or die. Yeah. Well, and he has to really convey that. And he, he has some points. He makes some points, even though, like, it actually really kind of hurts that Bonnie is like, that thing isn't Bo. It is. I mean, listen, he's all pointy. Remember last episode, he was described as being <laughs> so pointy. Squidward. He's, he's too handsome. handsome Squidward. He looks so different. Mm. <laughs> but Whoa. no, it is also really sad because Bonnie is like, I don't know what that thing is. And Bo's like, it's me, Bonnie. It's Bo. He's trying so hard. It's so fucking sad he's like i don't know what i can say to convince you dude i'm i'm just me i'm hot now kareen does tell bonnie that their plan is for the collins is to stay another year until archie and edith graduate which also makes me confused because i'm like is edith going back to school with archie are you gonna make archie go well, to school ho- she's getting himself? homeschooled i think archie is going to school by himself. archie although archie would have a blast going to school by himself i feel like yeah archie's gonna go sit with Alan and alice Jeremy. on her own in school allowed to do whatever she wants just give him free reign yeah. funny oh no yeah they'd be found out so quick because they'd be like is she okay she's been like having visions for 20 minutes oh no oh yeah <laughs> um no one's there to be like she's fine <laughs> um Bo, eventually the wind, <gasps> this wretched wind in the Pacific Northwest, re- Pacific <laughs> Northwest really fucks up their plans constantly because Bo describes the pain 
of having to resist Bonnie's blood when the wind blows her sex yeah. towards him. And they, they grab him. Edith and Kareem both are like, oh shit, oh shit. And then Bonnie and the wolves are like, how dare you grab him? And they're like, we're trying to fucking keep We're protecting you! Them. <laughs> and Bo starts describing what it smells like to him. And he's like, listen, I never did drugs. And the fact that they bring drugs <laughs> up again oh is God. so funny. And it really just solidifies drugs are for boys ladies well, and gentlemen he says he never did drugs so maybe they're not for boys i don't no. know i'm not putting no. it on the list because he says he specifically <gasps> tells us he'd never tried drugs but um, he's also a liar because he robo tripped like seven chapters ago <laughs> so <laughs> hey he's microdosing. um but he does it is kind of funny that he compares bonnie to a perfectly cooked filet mignon <laughs> Gross. Yeah, he's like it's like someone waving a perfectly cooked filet mignon in front of me after I've been living on stale crackers for a year. But he he passes. He does so good. He passes the test. He doesn't. Oh, yeah, because he's the specialist boy in the whole wide world, just like Bella. Yeah, because yeah. their fucking self control is incredible. He's, he's not like the other ones. He's not. It also puts um, it makes what Bella's whole change in um breaking dawn eventually is a little bit of a lie because everybody's like oh maybe bella's so good at this because she had so much time she to prepare. had prepared yeah. and she makes like jasper spiral because her fucking self-control so good but here Bo just he doesn't really need to have the preparation because he's the specialist boy in the whole wide world mm-hmm. yeah but he has to he has to kind of give bonnie a real quick version of what happened of like look it wasn't the collins there was these bad vampires that came through town and they wanted to hunt me and then so i went to phoenix to hide but oops they found me and colin saved me blah 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 and bonnie is still she's like i can still blame the collins you know if you if they'd never gotten involved with you this never would have happened and Bo has to be like well actually yeah. I had this special, special stank where I was vampire bait. And if the Cullens hadn't been here, I would just be regular dead. So, you know. Got that special stank. He got that special stank. Yeah. That eau de beau, baby. Eau de beau. <laughs> Bo asking Bonnie to look after Charlie, though, is probably the most emotional part of this chapter yeah. besides his actual funeral. Because he's like, poignant. I'm sorry, please look out for my dad. And then right after that, we get what I would argue is the best part of the chapter overall. Because we have this nice exchange between Bonnie and, and Bo. And Bonnie says after this, because she's been treating him like this non-human, who are you? What have you done with Bo? Type thing. And she says, is there anything else I can do for you? I froze for a tenth of a second, surprised by the offer. I could tell Edith and Corrine were surprised too, but there was something more I wanted. If, I began, will you ever tell Jules about any of this? I looked at the enormous wolves flanking Bonnie, or will it always be a secret? I didn't understand the look that crossed her face now. Jules will know soon enough. Oh, okay. Well, if she can know about me, can you tell her that I'm happy? It's not so bad, this whole vampire thing. And I think that very delightfully sets up for potential silliness down the line. True, yeah. Well, I I think it's kind of interesting because... Uh, spoiler alert for New Moon, it's revealed that the reason the wolves have come back is specifically because the Cullens have come back. Like, they're a defense mechanism in response to the presence of vampires. So anytime a vampire is around, whoever has the quote-unquote werewolf gene, triggered in it, yeah. it'll be triggered, triggered and they'll turn into a werewolf, which is why, like, there have been several generations of no werewolves. Like, Billy's not a werewolf, Harry's not a werewolf. They never had that happen. Um, but now, suddenly, the young quote-unquote men are having this happen, turning into wolves. 
in this version, the young women. Um, so, you know, like they act like it's, I've, there's been a lot of discussion in the fandom of like, how dare the Cullens stay there when their presence is causing the wolves to turn. And first of all, it's like, well, they My definitely opinion. didn't know that. They definitely didn't know that. And this chapter really proves it because like, there's kind of no reason for Bonnie not to tell them. Like, they just said, like, oh, we're going to stick around for another year. If she doesn't want them to stick around for another year, she could be like, hey, please don't. You're going to turn a bunch more werewolves. <laughs> um, but she doesn't. She deliberately doesn't tell them this. Probably for, like, strategic reasons, I guess. Like, defense. Yeah. yeah. Plus, I think it's... You can't blame the Cullens because the lore of how their tribe, like, started becoming werewolves predates the Cullens coming. It was some other That's true. like vampires right, that the, were just traveling. That random there. couple. Yeah. Yeah. So like vampires were gonna exist no matter what, you know? At least with the Cullens, mm-hmm. the Cullens also kind of protect the area too and keep, you know, them. Yeah, well, they protected it from James, yeah. Some good um, pro-Cullen argument there. Yeah, Bo actually points out, he's like, listen, if the Cullens hadn't been here, James and, C- and the Pussycats could have just fucked, Joss and the Pussycats could have just fucking killed anyone they wanted. They The Cullens chased yeah. them out of town. Like, they could have gone on a rampage through Forks High, you know? Like, this would have been yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, it would have been up to poor little teenage, or I guess 20-year-old Sam to, like, defend this, these entire oh, communities. barely legal werewolves. Oh, God. Awful. Oh. So awful. I anyway. hate that they're being called barely legal because they're girls, too. Girl wolves, yeah. Yes! Well, yeah. We, yeah. we don't get an equivalent of this in Twilight. That's gross. Um, so we can't make that comparison. But it does feel that way because it's it's kind of the host phenomenon again. Icky. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Bo is the specialist boy in the whole wide world. Hashtag confirmed because super control after that. They're like, wow, I would have sworn you were 10 years old, which is just a funny thing for Kareen to say. Like you seem like a 10 year old vampire. (laughs) Look at you holding it together. You're holding it together like a 10 year old. We get a really funny line still because Jessamine still gets the, they're not going to fucking believe this line that Jasper gets in Breaking Dawn. Oh, you mean Jessamine's not going to fucking believe this. You're super control. Yeah. Yeah funny well literally like a paragraph after bonnie's car pulls out the chapter just fucking ends it ends so abruptly the whole book they they like have this tense standoff with the werewolves there's all this like bonnie holding back the information about jules that jules is going to become a wolf and that the cullens are causing the wolves to change like all this like interesting politics and edith even says like oh my God, I can't wait to get home and I'm going to tell you what all the wolves were thinking, what Bonnie was thinking, so you can understand the whole backstory and like what context of what was going on. And then they never get home. The book just ends before they ever get home for Edith to do this like recap. It's such a tease. It's such a tease. They don't put out. Forever, I said. Forever, she agreed. I leaned down until my lips found hers. Forever, it's going to be amazing. Boy about to have adventure. Damn. Boy about to have adventure. Wait, I'm sorry. Was there some forever, forever, like a la Fault in Our Stars? Was that oh. what was happening this year? <laughs> My God. Yes. Yeah, honestly. There was no question exactly mark, but other than that, yeah. Yeah. We're repeating a word to each other. Wait, so did anybody have any comments about life and death besides- I have a comment about you. Weird? About me? I'm so proud of how well you've been pronouncing Kareen this whole chapter. Oh. Did you guys hear Shannon say Kareen's name so correctly? Stop. Wow. Talk about like emotional journeys. Girl knows how to pronounce things. Don't look at me. Guess what else I can probably say? And I'm going to say it on the first try. Is it Bethany Swire? <gasps> oh, oh, shit. Damn. 
home. She's killing it. I did it. Killing I'm it. I'm crushing it. Wow. Thank you. Wow. I thank you for the comment. Now say pillow. Fuck you. <laughs> I will never say pillow. <laughs> no, damn it. <laughs> wow. I even got her to say pillow correctly. This is a great day for me. Get me out of here. Let's wrap this stupid chapter up now. Okay, okay. (laughs) We've got a crown of prom king and prom queen, or rather, funeral king and queen. (laughs) The best two pallbearers there were. No Um, prom, just trauma. You know, oops, all trauma is Bo's chapter. Who kicked ass this chapter? Um... I had a couple, a couple little ones. I really liked Archie getting Renee a chair. That was a very Mm. nice gesture. It was Um, and also Paula for carrying Bonnie because she had to carry her for a long time and just kind of stand around. Yeah, you know. and she wasn't a wolf, so like she wasn't could have gotten her. fucked up. So she had to be really brave to like show up in front of these vampires. She in human is brave. Form. Thanks, girl, Paul. I'm impressed with Paula. Yeah. Wow. Um, I don't know. I'm just so sad. Mm. I love Edith's confidence to hold Bo back. I thought. That's mm. like... She was also fast. She was very fast. She did some translating. She's got her silly little legs. <laughs> little Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Maybe. Um. Maybe Eleanor for laughing at Bo's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> That's also good. That is funny. Because that was yeah. funny. I don't know. I think we could maybe go with all three of those. I mean, I'm happy with everything so far. I just, thinking about this chapter, it feels like I'm thinking about multiple different chapters because of how fast it goes. Yes, because there's like the two really big scenes. Really three, if you count like Edith and Bo being lovey-dovey as a scene. Yeah, here and there. So, um... Yeah, this chapter was just sad. <laughs> I'm just proud of us for making it all the way through life and death. Like, damn. I know. The emotional moment. Life and death. Is, and I just love Edith and Bo. I really like them. I can't believe I that think I we, like life and death maybe yeah. more than Twilight. I don't know who's to say. Well, I think maybe it's it's it kind of depends on what, what do you mean by like, right? Like, I'd much rather yeah. hang out with Edith and Bo. <laughs> But Edward and Bella are pretty interesting to read about. <laughs> like they're like the train wreck reality TV show. Yeah, exactly. You have to watch. They're the bad Netflix show that you can't stop watching. Vampire Love Island. Yes. I know what reality show Bella and Edward are. What? What are? Are you familiar with the Netflix show Too Hot to Handle? Mm-hmm. I. That's so them. Tired. I'm where so the, tired. the whole the whole objective and point to not win or the point to win money is to not is to fuck not each other. Fuck. That's really funny, actually. I'm not yeah. letting Bella on any show with hot in the name. <laughs> I don't think human Bella is qualified. No, we for get that. to talk about your well, darling hag Bella next chapter. <laughs> so I hope you're ready, darling hag. I know exactly what line that's referring to, and I can't wait. <laughs> But before that, are we are you ready for lists? Maybe the final. Oh my god! Gee, I'm I'm so happy for you. The final lists. One more time, tell us what is for who in this silly little book, my darling. Well, end of an era. It's so bittersweet. But our last list—they're very short, but they're very good. You ready for this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Things that are for women: prom, chairs, being a werewolf. Things that are for men, funerals, and dying in a fiery car wreck. Oh! And finally, finally, things that are for all genders, for my NBs, for my gender fluids, all y'all, stealing corpses and setting them on fire. 
Yeah. The end. Crime is for the non-binary. Crime is for everyone now. Congratulations. <laughs> Diversity win. Diversity win. <laughs> Steal a corpse. Set it on fire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Don't be sad. Do crime. Exactly. You know what? I'll take that with me to keep mm-hmm. my sadness at Be gay, do crime. Exactly. That's the moral of life and death. Be yeah. gay, do crime. Yeah. Be gay, do crime. That is. Good point. No prama here. Only crimes. Yeah, don't go, don't go to prom. <laughs> commit crimes. Don't go to prom. Exhume some bodies. Set a body on fire. <laughs> commit, commit arson. Fake your death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why go to prom when you could fake your death? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Well, I mean, life and death, we we love to see you come and we hate to see you go, but let's let's close your cover. And, the old um, Bo can't come to the phone right now. Why? Because yeah, he's dead. He's dead, baby. So rest in, in pieces to the, the fake Bo and the real Bo. Mm-hmm. So onward we march oh, to boy. Midnight Sun. What a he, chapter. <laughs> You are wrapping up a, a really long journey here as Edward's therapist yes. in his in this epilogue chapter with him. Are you mm-hmm. ready for it, though? I mean, am I ready is to be done ready? with Edward? Always. <laughs> but is he ready to be free of a therapist? No, he's never. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a fun dichotomy we have going there. He needs um, one now more than ever. He's going to need so much therapy. I feel so bad that I'm about to abandon him. Um but yeah, no, he he really needs therapy in this chapter. We've got a, a lot of back and forth, shall we say. A lot of shit to unpack. So much of this chapter is just retconning and lampshading and contradicting. Oh, it's silly. And like being it's so everywhere. defensive about what she herself has written that it's it's exhausting, honestly. Like <sighs> they're both exhausting me in this chapter. <laughs> but in a funny way, I am laughing at it. Like it is pretty entertaining. Yeah. yeah. First of all, we start with kind of, we kind of catch up with uh, Bella's recovery process in the hospital. First of all, yeah, Edward still is, in fucking he's fucking eavesdropping on all of Bella's conversations with her doctors. No respect for HIPAA. Ed flag <clears throat> number one million and one. Like, what the yeah. fuck is this? Stop that. Isn't he That's doing it from the stairwell too? He'll like sit in the stairwell and listen in. Yes, he's like deliberately <laughs> listening in on all her private conversations about her health. Like, fuck this guy. Um, he's that he's that obsessive boyfriend who knows like when she's cycling and just like oh god oh god he like, definitely knows when she's cycling he definitely does yeah he doesn't like, need to break HIPAA to know that funny the fact that like Alice and Carlisle are just there the whole time even after Renee goes home it's like ridiculous to me and also Alice being allowed to miss ten days of school I I think because of her brother's high school girlfriend has been injured it's fucking no no one's, this bella centric no. stuff gets sillier and sillier the more chapters you get into every single book like the forks high school like truancy people are just like oh bella's been hurt well alice is excused from math class like, i wonder if the um whoever was um in charge of the oh my god no angela works for the yearbook in the movie right i wonder mm-hmm, if they were like mm-hmm. so should we like get a page together in case she dead <laughs> or should we just kind of like wait and see i bet you that wait, was a conversation that that's happened. a really yeah. great like edit or fan art for someone to make on tumblr do the angela yearbook spread for if bella had died do the one for dead beau no, Bo dying in beau's memorial yearbook <laughs> page the in memoriam <laughs> but no renee goes back renee does go back to florida earlier than alice and edward because for but a good reason like two days two yeah, days early because she has a job lined up and she's like I'm gonna lose this job. I gotta start yeah. work. Yeah, she knows Al- Bella's fine at that point, but it yeah. is funny that Alice 
is allowed to miss school. But you know what? Teacher Renee, we got to stand. She's an educator. She takes her job seriously. She is. It's a school year. But Alice being there means that um, um, Charlie gets to form more of a relationship with Alice over the phone, just like he's forming one with Carlisle yes. over the phone. Well, and, and we touched on that last <laughs> chapter. We did. Um, he's just so charmed. He's so delighted. He loves Alice so much. And he he's in like, Edward is like, I'm getting the vibe that he hates me though. <laughs> yes. No, Edward's like, I feel like the more he ends up liking Alice... And the Carlisle. less he has started liking me. And he doesn't put these connections together while he's like narrating this, but I feel like that ha- that there's a pattern there, buddy, that you're missing. Mm-hmm. I feel like Alice might be leaning into something there just for mm-hmm. the hell of it. And yeah. I think she's a messy bitch. She lives for drama that should kind of lean into that. Like she's just gossiping <laughs> on the phone with Charlie. She's just poisoning Charlie's mind. Charlie's like, where is he right now? And she's like, oh, he's still in her room. <laughs> also, the way Edward calls Alice Bella's lady in waiting so fucking funny like you're too aware now that she's the main character it's too much too aware Alice is literally just there to dress Bella up and take care of Bella and be Bella's perfect best friend and be friends with her dad she has to help Bella piss like at this point which is like good for her you know like friends it's it's a good thing to do for someone you're close with but like fascinated she's never peed we already established that that's so true she's she's doing a study she's doing a study um But it is it is still very like the main character energy just jumps out of this chapter. Yeah. Um and then they get back to Forks and like Alice starts coming over all the time and Edward marvels at how she and Bella are already so close and they have all these inside jokes and they're BFFs. It's like Alice's vision has already come true. Charlie loves Alice, Charlie hates Edward confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, speaking of Charlie hating Edward, though, we get a mm-hmm. very specific, um, Edward's very specific when he tells us that Charlie doesn't think Edward literally hurt her. And we yes. get this line that says, not that he harbored any dark <laughs> suspicions that I'd shoved her down the stairs myself. Damn. And I honestly, like, honestly, I don't know if I buy that if the story were realistic. If this were a realistic story, I wouldn't buy that for a second. Mm-hmm. You know well, Charlie's thought it. You know Charlie's thought it. Yeah, no, like, it's it's very funny that, like, Edward is very specific about why Charlie doesn't like him because Charlie blames Edward for Bella freaking out and running away in the first place. Um, but I just need y'all to know, we're not going to dwell on these because they're literally every other line. But every other line in this chapter is <laughs> Edward telling us how it's all his fault. He's a monster. Oh. He did this to Bella. He's to blame. Charlie is right to blame him because it's all his fault. He's terrible. Blah, 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 blah. Like, it's it's just an endless fucking refrain in this chapter. <laughs> it's so exhausting. But then he he kind of talks about them going back to their their normal lives, their routines, only with Bella's, you know, cast or whatever. <laughs> and how the school has reacted to both their relationship and this Bella no, injury story. I won't stand for this Jessica character assassination. Well, here's the thing. I won't. Jessica has invented a way better fake story about why <laughs> Bella and the Collins were in Phoenix than Bella and the Collins did. Jessica's like, clearly... <laughs> They went to Phoenix so Edward could meet Bella's mom because the relationship is getting really serious. And like, damn. That's not even bad. That's yeah. Kind of yeah, no, that's plausible. That's a very normal but reason. Edward to go treats Phoenix. it like, oh, this gossiping little bitch. Yes. Yeah. I love Jessica. Well, and he even makes her to tell us he's like, and Bella and Jessica like aren't even that close because Bella eats lunch with us now. Um, which is deeply <sighs> funny to me, the the new lunch um situation. <gasps> no. <laughs> No, so it is not funny because now that Bella has to sit at their table, Al, um, 
um, Rosalie and Emmett have made themselves scarce. That okay, but that's hilarious. Rosalie literally will not sit at a lunch table yeah. with Bella, and it says that what she and she Emmett do instead is they they pretend they're eating lunch outside, and if it's sunny, they go in Rosalie's car. What do we think they're doing in Rosalie's car? I <laughs> fucking guess it. Listen. Listen, oh. I just think it's it's bullshit that Edward is who he is. And then part two of things that are hilarious about this new lunch situation is mm. that it says that like Edward tells us very specifically, okay, so now it's me, Bella, Alice, and Jasper at this lunch table. And none of Bella's friends are brave enough to sit with us. But we know in Eclipse that Bella's friends do sit with Edward and Alice. Like Edward and Alice start sitting at Jessica and Mike's lunch table. So they're only specifically afraid of Jasper. They would sit with Edward and Alice if Jasper wasn't there. That is funny because they do sit at the same table in the next book. Yeah. That's funny. The implication here is that they're totally cool with all of the non-Jasper Collins. Which makes me laugh because when you have the movie scene where it's Edward and Alice, and for some reason they keep Jasper in the same grade, even though he and Rosalie are supposed to be twins and she already graduated. LOL. He's just the movie doesn't really do the twins thing. It doesn't. Yeah. It makes me sad. I no. wish they did. I don't think it was like ever, was it even mentioned in the movies? No. The no. different last names? No? I feel like it wasn't mentioned why Jasper goes by Hale. No, like, I don't think I don't think they talked about why. I think they were just like that's Emmett and Edward Cullen and Rosalie and Jasper Hale yeah. or something. Like, like it wasn't like I guess they, they just leave really it up s- to the viewer. Yeah, the word twins mm. never appears. Um. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I just think new new lunch seating is really funny to me. Yeah, he's just a weird <laughs> brother that no one wants to hang out with. I know, <laughs> literally, and valid, honestly, too scary. Yeah, more notes about how Edward keeps self-castigating. If we drank every time he did that, there would be no season two of Three Books, One Plot because we would fucking die from alcohol poisoning. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Here's my Pepe Sylvia wall. It's a much shorter rant. Get ready. Okay. Um, So there is a line. Let me find it. Where? Okay. Okay. It's... He's giving us his rationale for why he forces Bella to attend prom. Because Alice is like... Oh my god. Alice is like, I want to give Bella a fucking makeover. We're going to prom. (laughs) Period. Edward is like, I don't know if I want to let you do this. I don't know if I want to help you. I don't know if I really want to drag Bella to prom. And then he, he does this fucking ridiculous thing in order to justify it. But it starts with this line where he, oh he says God, he I forgot about this. He creates a vision. He says, I had a vision, not like Alice, not a true prophecy. It was scenario. just a probable scenario. A scenario. This is a what I meant when scenarios. I was talking about Edward writing fan fiction in this chapter. He writes fan fiction. But the line he uses to introduce his fanfiction is he says, this vision created an intense kind of ache throughout my entire body. It was half agony and half pleasure. Now that line may not sound familiar to you if you're an MCR fan, but if you are a Jane Austen (laughs) fan or both, you can be both. If you're a Jane Austen fan, this line will sound very familiar because it comes from Persuasion in which um, Captain Wentworth writes Anne Elliot a letter that says he is half agony, half hope. It's a very famous line from that very famous book. And y'all know Stephanie Meyer has read her some persuasion, but she has also negged persuasion. When I was doing all my interviews about Stephanie's favorite books, she specifically states that Emma and Persuasion are her least favorite Austen books. She calls Persuasion too sad. And then she has the audacity to steal a line from Persuasion after she has negged it. This is weird. The hack behavior, loserly behavior, uh, is all I'm going to say. 
I will say it does, the quote does make sense for the traits of Edward being a masochist, which is something. Oh, definitely. Like, <laughs> definitely. I just, I don't like the hypocrisy. I think yeah. it, it's a great idea. Call but like, out. Maybe don't steal it from a book that you negged as too sad and then you wrote New Moon, you know? Like, come on, come on. Right? Stephanie Austin Landmeyer knew what she was doing with this line, <laughs> is all I will say. <laughs> Austin Land, God, she's too much. I have a bone to pick with her, and this is a big part of it. Anyway, <laughs> the the thing it's actually talking about, the vision, Edward's yeah. vision. Shannon, what happens in Edward's fan fiction in, in this chapter? So Edward goes on through this daydream where he is come up with this hypothetical situation about Bella 20 years older and just married to a rando. And and Edward says while he's thinking about Bella older and married to another human is that he he can't really picture what this man looks like or picture what children might look like her hypothetical future husband because it's too painful for him. It's, he uses the word agony again. It's really notable. He uses it like twice in two paragraphs. Think and for agony. He's thinking about how well, clearly, like, we, Bella wouldn't want her kids to think that she was boring or lame or dumb, because what if they're like, what did you do for prom? And she's like, well, I didn't go. And then they're like, well, fuck you, mom. Have better stories. Like, it's a weird whole justification that he goes through thinking that, like, he's, well, for her future kids, she should have a story about going to prom. He's writing an episode of fucking How I Met Your Mother over <laughs> he here. Is, like, he is. It's still... <laughs> He's Literally, projecting. Mm-hmm. The TLDR He's projecting. is that Edward doesn't force mm-hmm. Bella to go to prom for his sake or for Bella's sake. He forces Bella to go to prom for the sake of her future children with another man. Yep. <laughs> Just like, what is happening? And there's so many little details of, because like, this is a full ass page for me that he goes on into this vision of Bella's future life. He gives a lot of details. It's just a detailed delusion. He's like, this is the kind of house she's going to live in. He says it's going to be cluttered. He basically calls her a fucking slob. slob again, yeah. He's like, unless she changed her ways, the house would be filled with clutter. Yep. Um, like she'd have two or three kids, probably. He goes on this tangent about how in the future they won't watch TV. Alice t- has told him that the consumption of media would change quite a bit in the next decade. Like... We get it, Stephanie. You're writing this book 10 years later. Okay. No, like, it's funny, though. I do like the part where, she, where um, they say she was waiting for certain companies to form so she could invest in them. Funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She said, where's Zoom? I got a pandemic to prepare for. I got money to make. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Alice Pandemic Profiteer. <laughs> we get our additional, our Midnight Sun Carrie reference in which- yes. Bella calls they say Carrie. Vision Bella says the decorations were like a budget version of the movie Carrie. No, you can't watch Carrie to her future kids. I don't know how old they are in this vision. Let them watch Carrie. Come on, Bella. Don't be yeah, a pussy. right. Um, be a cool mom. She could never. <laughs> Bella, a cool mom. Unlikely. She could literally never. Mm-hmm. So he he truly writes in detail this entire scene about Bella's future life. It's so exhausting. And he, it's he, all like, just tucks to himself. It's a self-cuck. Take it to prom! It is a self-cuck. Just say, <laughs> Edward, it is okay. We, listen, I know this is 2005, but here in 2023, listen, you be you be your weird, kinky self. That's fine. If you want to be cucked, just say it. You don't have to come up with this whole weird so scenario, true. bestie. True. Or if you want to still come up with this weird scenario... There's a fun little website called Archive of Our Own you can go on to and really just let some stuff fly. Because if therapy doesn't work for you, maybe write in some weird fanfic 
I'm about gonna, your human girlfriend can help. I'm gonna make Edward an AO3 account and just copy and paste this scene. And yeah, and that's it. Him. And that's all you post. He also makes sure to tell us that Bella is still gonna be hot when she's older. He's Hysterical. like, he says she, he, she's going to mature gracefully into middle age. Like her mother, she would hold on to the image of youth longer than most. But when the lines came, they would not mar her beauty. It's oh, so, and like, it's another mention as to like the previous episode. One so Renee before. is a confirmed MILF. Edward yes. thinks Renee's attractive. Edward's been pegging her out. Well, and Edward it's, can't it's literally wait canon. for Bella to get older. He's like, ooh, I'm, I'm going to imagine MILF Bella. I'm writing MILF Bella fic. It's like, literally, he talks yeah. about how he, Renee is the only only other human that we hear get described as pretty. I'm sensing some deep, deep mommy issues from Edward. Yeah, no thank shit. Thank you. Yeah. And I want to get to the root of that. So Renee's a MILF. Alice is helping Bella with recovery, but she's also yeah. forcibly giving her the non-con makeover. Um, <laughs> I hate that it's called that. We get this quote. We're having our descending the stairs moment. The one Here in the movie are. where she's got her walking cast and um, converse. Mm-hmm. In, in the book, however... We get this quote where it says, Bella had become fairly adept with her crutch, but Alice had taken it away from her tonight. I wasn't sure how much of that was for the aesthetic and how much was to keep Bella from trying to escape. Does he hear himself? I forgot she takes her crutch. <laughs> They're like, we broke her leg so she can't escape. We can take her to Honestly, prom. Honestly? Also, funny. Have they ever seen someone try to move on crutches? That's not a quick maneuver. No. Like, or at least on one I would crutch. love to see Bella moving with a crutch. Yeah, let me see how smooth you can maneuver this one. Be horrendous. <laughs> Probably injure herself. She's better further. off without it. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, also the paragraph where he describes her dress, like the language is very, like, Stephanie Meyer let Edward say she's hot or draw 25. Um, no, she's, she's she wrong, writes baby. things like phrases like uh, the thin chiffon was ruched and ruffled to provide a semblance of modesty, but it still clung to her skin in a very distracting way. The design exposed her hourglass alabaster shoulders. Um, the body of the dress was gathered in an asymmetrical line that gave her shape subtle hourglass <sighs> contours. So this, this is how you say she's curvy without and like showing off, but in Mormon. She's sexy, but in a god honoring way. <laughs> Well, like, if she were dressing her up more for her own gratification, I'd agree. But the fact that Alice puts her in Edward's favorite color, she dresses her up specifically to appeal to Edward. Something about that is just so... And, like, it's so ick to me. It's not to make her feel good. It's like, I'm presenting you this concubine, brother. It's giving me a muscle time. I can't. I can't. I was going to say something something sweeter about, like, it's like somebody decorating a cake and being like, I put all your favorites on top. Yeah. See, I think that would because be really food, cute. But you said, nah, is, let's make it if worse. If not for all this Edward commentary about how it's like, she did all this for me. Like, dude, mm, I don't like Ugh. that. It is weird that your sister would be like, I made your girlfriend specifically hot, tailored to your tastes. Enjoy, no. brother. Enjoy, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's so ew. funny oh there's a line that i i have to read because you, edward's doing a stupid thing about like this whole fucking justification of prom because oh no no mm-hmm. you rem- we all know that edward wrote his fanfic and he's only taking pro- bella to prom for her own good because god forbid her her future fake kids think that she's fucking boring mm-hmm. and there's a line that he says i i'm gonna get so mad after i read this he says it was for that moment in Bella's future that I'd allowed Alice to go through with her pushy and somewhat intrusive plan. Wow. <laughs> Alice is pushy Stephanie. and intrusive. 
Not me, though. Just Alice. Stephanie was like, right in Midnight Sun, like, let me just point the finger more at Alice. Yeah. He's even trying to convince himself these not the worst it's so bad it's like do you suck or do you not suck edward well it's it's another thing like it's kind of like the oh renee is abusive thing where like somewhere between writing twilight and writing this someone was like it's actually kind of fucked up that they keep ignoring what bella wants and you know doing whatever they want to her and stephanie was like wow i'm gonna lampshade that so well but only alice edward's not pushy only alice the 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 tyler stuff too like the way he handles the tyler stuff in the car oh the Tyler stuff. Let's talk about the oh, Tyler shit. stuff. Poor, this poor stupid kid. And the, the defensiveness in every line. Like, she, she can't change her dialogue. She's locked into the dialogue. So instead, <laughs> she just has Edward make fucking excuses for himself every two sentences. It was an immature reaction. My response was stronger than, stronger than it should have been. I knew the words were wrong to say. It had been a very domineering thing to say. It wasn't really my place oh to make that decision for her. But, like, he just does it. He just still does it. So it's like, why What's Why not point? say it for the test? If he's, you can't change the dialogue. This is what you wrote, ma'am. This is what you wrote. You know how in previous episodes we've been like, okay, just kidding. If you if you read any Midnight Sun chapter, read this chapter. I think this would go, like, number three or number four on Midnight Sun chapters to read to really get an idea of the vibes of the rest of the book. So because bad. of all of the lampshading that she does in this chapter. It's, it's just, comical. You can tell there's regret oozing from every word. Like, she's like, I... I want to just say the opposite of what I said, but like, you don't get to. It was published. We all read it in 2006. Like, while we're in the car, did anyone else have a note about how he locks Bella in? Oh. He locks her in. He does a lot of weird things in the car. Because once she realizes they're going to prom, once she realizes they're going to prom, she gets upset. And it says there were actual tears brimming in her eyes. We talked about this. Um, And it's, you know, he thinks she's going to try to throw herself out of the moving vehicle. And it oh says, you get the line, unobtrusively, I locked the doors. I would have lost <laughs> my shit at him. Well, and then it's, oh, we man. get the incredible line, which I think could be the title of Edward's sex tape. Oh, no. She stared out the window like she was still thinking of jumping. <laughs> Funny. That's the title of anyone who's with Edward's sex tape. Yeah. <laughs> Looking out the window, judging the distance, really mm-hmm. considering the choice. Doesn't he, when he's describing Bella, doesn't he like look at her ankle real weird? Hold on, let me see if I can find it. Oh, that's, I think that's when they get to the parking lot and she's like, Ah. I can't walk in this death trap. Look at this shoe, it's a death trap. And then he has a full paragraph just looking at her shoe and her foot. He says, um, in this place of enter endless winter wardrobes, it was fascinating to see parts of her I'd never seen before. <laughs> Again, it's her ankle. Jesus. It's her ankle. <laughs> doesn't he say something to? Doesn't he say something to Bella? Like, remind me to thank Alice or something yes! weird like that. I read what I was saying Ew. with the concubine for your brother. Uh, she knew what was going to take his boxes. I don't like that. Mm-mm. You know, there's one line that we. G, you and I, as Alice appreciators, have mm-hmm. um, forgotten about. And this happens right before um, Edward's weird daydream. But I just have to bring it up before it gets completely pushed to the wayside because it is about Alice doing her funky little things. Where Edward has this thought and he thinks Alice's motivations were probably at least 70% selfish. <laughs> I do love that line. I do love that line. And I just, you're right. 
Ah, you're so right. So and true I of that. Alice at any given time. Yeah. <laughs> she, these are you're all her Barbie dolls. There's so many good banger lines in this chapter. Um, are, yeah. did we we talked about you know how stupid it is that Bella doesn't know it's prom, but we have to talk about how Edward even calls her stupid for not knowing that it's prom. <laughs> in this one incredible line, where because Bella asks like, "Is Charlie in on this?" and Edward says. Of course, leaving out that the entire town of Forks and probably most of the county was in on the secret of prom being held tonight. Yeah. They even put up top secret posters and banners all over the school. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> he said, you're a dumb hoe. No, it's so good. No, it's, it's, he's calling her oblivious. <laughs> it's really funny that like, after the whole Tyler scene where he spends the whole scene being like, you know, he for she, she should totally get to decide what to <laughs> do about Tyler. I disagree with all my own dialogue. I'm a feminist. I, Stephanie Meyer, have taken a women's studies class. I have lots of girlfriends. Um, and then you immediately he goes straight to calling her a dumb fucking bimbo for not noticing that it's prom. It's like, what is the truth? Dude, it's, it's, it's so wild to read, but it is the funniest way to conclude an epilogue or to conclude yes. a, a book, I mean, in the epilogue. It's the so Edward good. The are flying. They're, it's, they're fantastic. I'm obsessed with them. Yeah. The Edward and Bella in the car scene is like, you know, immediately pre-Tyler. Um, or actually, it's during Tyler. It's while Edward's on the phone with Tyler. Yes. Um, Multitasking. With, with Charlie. He's, he talks about how Bella, quote unquote, didn't notice the bright red car that suddenly swerved around us. I ignored Rosalie's pleasure at passing me. I always ignored Rosalie now. Uh, well, she ignores him too. And she has every right to because I would also She doesn't be ignore him. She just cut him off. She's like, fuck St- you. Edward <laughs> then thinks about how he and Rosalie haven't spoken since the night that he was like, well, if she decides to stop being my sister, so be it. Which means he never thanked her. For um, protecting Charlie while he was off doing a bad job trying to kill James. Mm, <laughs> she yeah. he never thanked her. And I'm going to be bitter about that, just like Rosalie. She I'm had sure to bitter. buy a tow truck and drive Bella's <laughs> truck to Arizona. Like, that's, uh, I don't know, maybe take uh, her out to dinner. Take her out for a nice deer. Maybe you know? get her Thank a Sephora card. gift card. Thank you. <laughs> Like, come on, dude. No, I mean, forget the carry metaphors. Rosalie's the one who has access to pig's blood, you know? She's like, here's my leftovers from the other day. I'm dumping oh it on Bella. Wait, you're so right. <laughs> Missed opportunities. Truly. I'm just excited to talk about and then defend poor baby Jake. Poor little Jacob. Poor I mean, to be fair, Jake. Edward is very complimentary of Jacob. He says his mind, what, his radiates head. purity? He radiates purity. He's a little ball of sunshine. He's a God honor, God honoring little boy. He know? is, yeah, you know? Radiate. He's a church boy who goes to church and reads his Bible. He's mortified that he's there. Edward sees his mortification, and we get the inside of Jacob's thoughts, because I feel like a lot of people were reading this and they were waiting to see if uh, Jacob was also going to think anything like Mike, like, because the way that Mike Mm -hmm. thinks about Bella and his thoughts is like, he's just dirtbag teenage boy. Like you would say, G like, he's just, it's just normal, harmless stuff. So it's like, okay, maybe we're going to get some of that, which will make sense. um, Because eventually Edward has the line that we know about Twilight, like, oh, it's not Billy Black that's making me mad, it's the sun. So it's like, oh, oh, what did Jacob think? That was so bad. And here we find 
Not much, really. <laughs> he kind of makes some good jokes. He has got some funny jokes about vampires, and I yeah. like that. Well, because he shows up and he's thinking, like, this is so fucking ridiculous. I can't believe my dad made me do that. I can't yeah. do this. I can't believe he thinks this is an actual vampire. Um, and I like, I actually kind of like Edward's commentary, too, where Edward is like, it kind of feels like Billy wants me to kill someone. Like, he just wants me to slip up. Like, it would just so he can say, I told you so. Like, what do you want from me, you Billy? You know like, he I'm, does. I'm on my best behavior. I haven't even killed anyone lately. Because just think about people that you don't like. And it's like, I do want to see. I am praying on your downfall, bitch. You know I am. <laughs> He's praying on his downfall. Yes, Literally. <laughs> and like, so am I, but not in the same way. Um, and like, it's true though. Like Billy, honestly, it it feels like an accurate observation that he does want them to kill someone just so he can be like, if only someone had warned you guys, if only someone. (laughs) And then Jacob has all these funny lines where he's like, I can't believe my dad thinks this guy's a real vampire. Uh, and then he like comes over to talk to Bella and he thinks should have worn some garlic, I guess. Like, (laughs) so cute. So good. Um, sweet boy. And then we get one of the best lines, I think, I in all of Midnight Sun. I think you're right, yeah. That people have made into some brilliant visual edits and Fan names, art, yeah. Where Edward is just kind of like, did it really matter if that group of toothless old men, again, they're, he thinks they're so old, they're all like 40. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if they broke the treaty, it wouldn't change much, even if they paid for a billboard on the 101 that read, the local doctor and his children are vampires. You have been you have warned. Been Forks Washington, just some ideas. Uh, the billboard, I think, is one of the funniest things that comes out of this chapter, maybe. Like, top yeah. three, at least. Um, the billboard and the cucking fan fiction. In my know? mind, I'm picturing the billboard as, like, one of those 1-800-lawyer billboards, you know? Yeah. Like, yes. You've been warned. Yes. <laughs> yep. It's pointing at you. Very aggressive, short language. No, American billboard culture. We don't talk enough it's about it. American billboard culture. You're so right. But I think yeah. one of the other funniest it's parts of this chapter, besides the Edward cucking and besides the billboard, is that there's a there's a funny part where we get some new moon new moon foreshadowing here because at mm. one point Jacob's like, "Damn, why does this bitch stink?" Thinking about Bella. Yeah, he's like, and- Bella's wearing some rank perfume. <laughs> and Edward is like, oh, that whore Lauren Mallory is behind Bella. It's probably her he's smelling. Yes. And you cannot make he it up. He immediately assumes. You can't make it up. He assumes it's Lauren with no proof, no evidence whatsoever. It says, um, I wondered if she was the one who smelled bad. Justice for Lauren. She smells Dude. fine. Oh my god, what if she was wearing... I This a thought just occurred to me. You remember how um, in Amber's first episode, she was telling us about the Twilight perfume that made her no. run real? What if it was that? <laughs> oh, no. It was the Hot Topic Twilight perfume circa 2008. <laughs> that would be so good. That would be excellent. See, I enjoy the inclusion of them being like, um, oh, tee hee hee, Jacob's gonna be a wolf soon. And we kind of got that same foreshadowing. With the fish fry. Because he was like, oh, the fish fry must have be rotten. Edward was. Yeah. He was like, something in the house smells fucking rotten. Yeah. Um, and then we realized like, oh, he's smelling Jacob. Like they, they're smelling each other. They, like, or Jacob's smelling Edward. And he thinks that's what's rotten. 
Um, and then same same here. He's like, oh, Bella smells horrible. Clearly it's a horrible perfume. And it also kind of ties in with what we just talked about in Life and Death when Bonnie was telling Bo, she'll know soon enough because it's really mm. implying that real soon, Julie slash Jacob's going to be a wolf. Oh, it's I fun. love Wolf Julie. I'm so I mad we don't get to read about Wolf Julie. <laughs> it's so sad. She's so much cooler than uh, Jacob. Sorry, Jacob. Would Julie have said, where the hell have you been, Loka? <sighs> Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, she would have. And she would have also picked him up the same way. <laughs> she would have said it like slightly more ironically. She would have been like, haha. You know, she's like too cool to like. Yeah, there's some dirtbag teens just being goofy with each other. I love mm-hmm. them. But That's gee, we cute. get the we get one of the um the, the funniest parts because the cuck fantasy continues. Oh, right. <laughs> because Jacob's yeah. there now. So now Jacob gets to be cast in one of the in a role in Edward's fucking fanfiction. He writes him into the right. fanfiction. He says he talks about um, the pretty cluttered house is what where he set his Bella cucking fiction. He says, "Would that pretty cluttered little house be in La Push?" <laughs> This is the best. This is I feel the like best. it's such a little. It's a. He had to throw in a little dig there too. You know, like it's just like that cluttered little house. I, he has to neg Bella's um, slobbiness. She's while imagining so poor her and house. slobby. Any life that's not with him is obviously going to be less than. Yeah, he would keep obviously. their house clean, but I mean, he could never daydream about that. No, it's like they'd have. A, I mean, have he, like he a would hire a maid, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> with all that money. <laughs> When we think about it, this is also foreshadowing the fact that he does, in fact, ask Jacob to cuck to him, cuck him in Breaking, in Breaking Dawn. Dawn. Oh, I, which is the best, the best part of this saga. There's nothing she's like really, it, you know? She's playing 3D speed chess in this Midnight Sun chapter. She's foreshadowing the boys. rest of the entire series. <laughs> I can't stand it. It's so funny. He imagines I, Jacob as the future husband of Bella who and I, Edward, I love you. I know you haven't, you've been doing a lot of back and forth in this therapy, but I'm glad we're having these sit down sessions with you, buddy. It's a lot of, a lot of self-owning happening. I'm getting a lot out of this too. You might not be, but I am. It's a, this is a funny, I mean, this, this poll exchange is really He's fun. fucking hysterical. But yeah. I like the part where Jake thinks, I wish he was a vampire. That might make some room for me. Because, ah, oh, buddy, how little you know her to think that non-vampirism would be a point in Edward's favor. Come on, dude. Yeah, she wants to be a hot and immortal. Bella Vampire Fucker is not here to fuck no normal human boys. And I kind of, I'm kind of with it. Like, not to neg werewolves, because I do think they're cool. But, like, generally, generally in fiction, werewolves symbolize, like, puberty. You know? It's like, it, it symbolizes your changing body. And, like, when it's sexualized, it's at best a kind of, like, animal, like, ah, oh, fuck, like an animal kind of thing. Whereas yeah. vampires are always a metaphor for sex, right? Like Amber yes. was talking about with the, like, biting being the metaphor. The venom is, is mm-hmm. come and, like, all that. Yep. So, like, it's, they're just inherently sexier mm-hmm. than werewolves because they're, of what they and symbol. the aesthetics are unbeatable, you know? Yeah, so I'm with Bella there. I, too, would, you know, the werewolves are the wrong kind of monster. They're not as fuckable, you know, of a monster. They're really not. Sorry, furries. The other thing that Jacob thinks that is a beautiful, beautiful contrast to Edward and makes me so proud of him is when he walks in and looks at Bella and he's like, oh, big fucking deal. It's just a cast. She'll live. Like, oh, that's right. He's like, you, oh my sir. God, she's fine. Yeah, because he's like, Billy made I it sound like Jacob. she's dying. She's fine. Rub some dirt on it, Bella. Walk it off. Walk it um, off. Walk it off. He's like a peewee football coach. <laughs> Literally. 
Justice for Lauren Mallory, she smells fine. If I were pity vote Shannon, I would give Lauren MVP of the chapter. (laughs) Honestly, me too, though. I really would. But I like it. I like how Edward is like extra sure to tell us that no one is having a good time except for Angela and Ben. Because they yeah, like but I Bella. think that's pretty yeah, typical of prom. No one has a good time. No that's one true. Has a good time. Maybe it's good we ended prom here. Or ended on prom here. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. Everyone's having a bad time except for Alice. <laughs> I was really thinking, like, wait a second. Because Bella and Edward really aren't even having a good time. Yeah, people who are having <laughs> a good time. A Alice, Angela, Ben. That's like, those all. are the only three having a good time. Oh, poor Jacob. But, like, even when he goes to, like, cut back in to Jacob and Bella's dance and we get the whole line, like, oh, like. It's insulting that he so, called you pretty. Jacob has done nothing wrong, dude. It would, I. Mm, it feels like just because a child. Leave him alone. Edward is projecting so much onto Jacob in this scene. Like, Jacob's having, he's behaving he's very normally. He's just a kid and Edward's a yeah. You showed up to prom and you were like, you look nice. And then Edward's brain is like, he's cucked me already in my mind. And then he starts calling Jacob, like, the boy. You know, like, all this kind yeah. of, like, if, ja- again, like Bella said in that previous chapter, if Jacob, if 15 and, if 16-year-old Jacob is a child and Bella is 17, then what does that make you, Edward? Like, yeah. Yeah, but then he starts telling us, um, after Jacob leaves, he starts telling us everyone else's thoughts and how Jessica is unhappily comparing Bella's dress to her own. As if Bella would be in a better dress than Jessica. Come on. Although maybe if Alice dressed her, though. Well, we're supposed to think that, but also Stephanie Meyer, as we, I think we mentioned this. Has bad taste? No, she knows (laughs) exactly. She has a dress that she intended to be Bella's prom dress. Oh. The boot and stiletto walk is not working for her. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> That's what Jessica should be thinking. Jessica should be like, what is wrong with Bella? <laughs> Don't compare yourself. Just roast her a little bit. Like, Why what is, is she shambling around? Does it? I, I, her idea of what like a mean girl would do is just. She's like, the mean girls were the girls at like Mormon temple who, you know, looked askance at my cardigan. You know, like, <laughs> That's the meanest girl I can imagine. She's like, I am a nice girl, and I think all these rude remarks on people's appearances. But so is so is Bella. So what she, when she does it, it's not a bad thing. But a real mean girl probably is just jealous of the nice girl who also yes. thinks those things. The idea that everyone is constantly jealous of Bella is like, I mean, this is the wish fulfillment part, right? This is the twelve-year-old on Wattpad part. <laughs> but like, it is giving twelve-year-old on Wattpad for Edward to go out of his way to be like every other person at prom was so miserable because they were so jealous of me and Bella except for Angela and Ben because they were nice to me and Bella and therefore they're exempt from suffering dude it just reminds me of being a child and going up to your mom and being like so and so was mean to me oh it's because they're jealous of you what are you talking about yes fix my problem you're my mom there's no logic (laughs) tell them to stop it you gotta suck Bella's dick super hard or you're gonna Mm. be made miserable by the narrative come here Bella Get over here, girl. Um, and then they go outside for their romantic conversation, which again worked so much better in the movie. It was so good in the movie, you guys. Props to Melissa Rosenberg. Like, Homegirl knew the this image dialogue here. Oh, this is and also props to Kristen Stewart because she was the one that was like flightless bird, American mouth. A little fun fact. True. Some movie trivia there. Yeah, I would say the the set location is perfect. It looks like 
a place where every single prom ever has been held. I can't explain mm-hmm. it, but just yeah. something yeah. about like having the little like the gazebo and the string light. Yeah. It's just, it's really cute. You could just, it looks like a cute little quaint event center. It has pr- small town prom vibes. I kind of almost wish that they had gone to prom in Life and Death because you just know this like purple ass description of the set would have been dumbed down so much. She's talking about the pale moon <laughs> shining through lace thin clouds. You know, like you just know it would have been really be funny like- from Bo's POV. Edith, you know Edith was giving him some flowery as weird vague descriptions because if he's got um Could we see monastery, his if he's got like monastery hair or whatever it is, and <laughs> Mon- he's- Cambodian monastery ceiling. You just know Archie put him in like a, a deep blue suit with a stiletto, you know, ankles out. <laughs> he's seven foot tall now. Ankles out always. Ankles <laughs> seven out. Seven foot tall. Poor Aww. baby Bo. Rest in peace. That needs to be a like a sticker or something, just ankles out. Ankles out for Edward. That should be ankles the bumper sticker. That should have been the bumper stickers people were putting on their cars in 2008. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, gotta love this part though. Like they go outside, the scenery is over described, and then the dialogue starts in and it's so rough. There's the part where, first of all, title drop. We gotta drink for this title drop because he goes, Twilight again, another ending. No matter how perfect the day is, it always has to end. Bella goes, some things don't have to end. Thinking about vampirism. Edward goes, she was right. Things like pain, pain didn't have to end. Oh my God. (laughs) And then when she's trying to be like, no, we're prom and this is romantic, you know, forever. He's like in his brain, like, nah, bitch, you don't know what that means. You don't know what that means. The way, the like 2006 Hot Topic energy of pain, (laughs) pain didn't have to end. She's talking about like fun, immortal life as a billionaire doesn't have to end. And he's like, you're right, pain. Pain. And I feel like the wording is very specific of like pain doesn't, it, it could have been pain doesn't end. But it was pain didn't have to end, which mm. kind of made me think he's on it too a little much. bit more because it's because he's a fucking masochist. Yeah. Also, like, that's not even true. This. Like, I think when most people think about pain, nobody thinks about it as unending because we have death. So, like, our pain is going to end sometime, Hell no matter yeah, what. Exactly. Inevitably. So, like, it is kind of interesting that like as an immortal he's like pain is one of those things that can be unending and it's like it's really not but for you maybe it is perhaps perhaps you know yeah if you're forcing yourself to go through dumb emotional pain right it's very silly it's it's hard to take him seriously when he's saying shit like this and it makes me just feel really bad for bella and i feel bad for the edward and bella stands because they wanted to Mm. read this book and be like oh so cute close the cover feel good and they didn't get that well it's almost like what stephanie thinks is romantic has diverged you know like has changed over time Either that or she's just too worried about, you know, pleasing people. Because initially, you know, what she gave us with original Twilight, a lot of people clearly agreed with her that this guy who's making fun of Tyler and like negging Jacob and all this, and it's it, like, it's romantic when he's like, yes, And him mean to forever. him sisters. Him so mean yeah. to him sisters. Well, like, but like, not even in a problematic way, just in a like, this was a lot of people's self-fulfillment, like, you know, wish fulfillment fantasy of like, oh, a guy who drives off all the other guys and says it's insulting to call you pretty. But like here, she's walked it all back and she's changed Edward's behavior completely yes. from I'm devoted to Bella, we're going to be together forever to 
I can't wait to dump Bella. <laughs> and you're right, because it is that wish fulfillment thing where it's like, this man is going to offer you forever. And that's like, forever is the whole drawing point. Forever, we're going to live forever. I'm going to love you forever. And then you get to this book and it's like, so he doesn't want her to live forever. And he um, does, he does, he's not going to love her forever because he's going to leave her. This is, this is my living nightmare. This is well, the worst thing in the world. I think she's trying really hard to make him seem like the good guy. And she's like, oh, you know, if he believes this yeah. stuff about souls, then if he even for a second wants her to be a vampire, he's the bad guy. Whereas I think a lot of people who read Twilight were like content with the conflict and the impasse between Edward and Bella to be like him, you know, his original idea of like, no, I'm going to stay with her for her whole human life. Like that was kind of, I don't think other people were making the mental leap of like, oh, if Edward truly loved her, he would leave her because he's putting her in danger. I don't think a lot of people were thinking that. I think a lot of people assumed that like, oh, his soul belief means that his version of truly loving her is staying with her for her human life. It makes me wonder if this is one of those things like Bella, uh, not Bella, (laughs) Stephanie, same thing. (laughs) Stephanie already had this idea. Edward was already like this. Or if this is one of those things where she heard all of this construct or not concerned all this criticism and she was focusing on the wrong things and she was like well I guess I need to do this with Edward now yes it it feels like she was like either she herself kind of grew and matured in like what she thought because like she she admitted herself she didn't know he was gonna leave Bella when she wrote Twilight she did not write Twilight with that in mind she didn't come up with it until she was sitting down to write New Moon um so like it feels like Sad. in theater, we have this thing called playing the end, which is a note that you get when you're doing something wrong. It's something you're not supposed to do. So like, if you're in Romeo and Juliet, and you, the actors, are constantly acting like, and we're going to die at the end of this scene, if you're saying all of your lines with that intention, then it kind of, it's bad, right? It's not good acting, because the character doesn't know that. The character doesn't know they're going to die at the end of the story. So like, you don't want to be playing the end. In in writing, it's a little more complicated, because you can do foreshadowing, But like, this is a little much, you know, to have this character enter the relationship with the intention to break it off. It's a little bit like, okay, then why do any of this? Like, why should we bother? Why should we be interested? Why do we want to root for Edward now? Yeah, we have no reason to root for it. I think if Stephanie Meyer wanted to foreshadow New Moon in Midnight Sun, there was a way to do that without completely retconning everything she's written and in making us you know stop rooting for edward in the process like you could definitely have him during all of this stuff of bella being injured um be start to like have these moments of doubt of like you know because he's he had he's very fixated on how it's his fault but like he could have these moments of doubt every time bella's like oh i can't wait to be a vampire then i won't get hurt anymore you know like stuff like that like you could have him be like yeah yeah forever you know like he could he could like agree in the moment because he wants to give Bella whatever she wants but still be having these moments of doubt where he's not where it's a moment of doubt not a moment of I'm gonna break up with you later like (laughs) and every time in the text he's like yeah forever for her is so different than forever for me and then he's like when I promised her forever now I meant as far as I could see and I wasn't looking yeah it it cheapens (laughs) the the impact of the The eternity and the love yeah. It's like she's basically written the equivalent of him crossing his fingers behind his back yes. as yes, he's promising exactly. her forever. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, the dictionary defines forever as like, it's like, no, 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 Edward, don't argue semantics. I mean, you know what she well, means. Actually, he would argue semantics, this bitch. He's just doing what most boyfriends do. <laughs> LOL. Ain't exactly. that the truth? <laughs> but yeah, the last things that we get from Edward. This time I spoke of the real forever my eternal forever 
As the night finally overcame the end of the day, I leaned forward again and kissed the warm skin of her throat. And then we get the warm skin and the, he had cold lips. Get it? Yeah, I, I do like how that matches with the last line of Twilight. It's cute. It's like yeah. opposites, yin-yang. So at least we get a, a cute crumb in spite of the whole I will define um, forever the way I want to define forever, idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's just some silliness. But I mean, it feels weird to be able to close this book and like put it up on top of these other ones. Yeah, damn. It feels weird. We read Midnight Sun cover to cover, dude. Oh, uh, well, I had already done that. But now you've joined me, I guess. What a concept. Uh, Edward, you still need a therapist, baby. And I mean, I'm glad we're coming back for a season yeah. two. Messy, messy boy. What a messy kid. Mm-hmm. God. In conclusion, well, what a mess. <laughs> in conclusion, what a mess. Twilight, we, we knew all about that nonsense. Life and death, what a ride. And Midnight Sun, get me off the ride. <laughs> you did <laughs> I I'm can't believe it. Shocked. Yeah, I'm impressed with us. Oh, I'm sad. I mean, listen, I know we still have the finale um next episode, but but I'm sad. Yeah, let's well let's make that clear for the people. We are oh. gonna have one more episode of season one. Yeah, we are. Ooh. It's um, fun to say. You know what? We still have to crown a prom king and queen of Midnight Sun. <gasps> Shit. Oh. Hmm. You know what? Jacob, prom king. Yeah, I'm yes. gonna give it to Jacob. Yeah. Jacob. No, I, I think unanimous Jacob vote for sure. Um and Prom queen. I Rosalie again, just for that bitch. No, I, I do want to say Rosalie for cutting oh, Edward right. off in her car. Yes, she cut Rosalie. She was, she was doing it. She, she said, I'm sorry, I know you're taking your human to prom, but I'm also here. She's like, I don't know what you guys are doing, but hmm. we're going into prom, actually. He pulls up and you can just tell that Bella's been sobbing. She's probably just so just satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell she's been crying. Rosalie being prom queen and Jacob being prom king is quite funny, actually. Yeah, because they do not get along. They fucking hate (laughs) each other in later books, but I think it's very fun and fitting for our last quote-unquote MVP given to um, to this book. Yeah, we do be standing Rosalie and Jacob. Yeah, congrats everyone. (laughs) We've done it. We have done it. I don't know what else to say. I don't want it to end. (sighs) I'm sad. But you know what, Casey? Thank you for coming back again. Thank you, Casey. Helping thank us. Thank you so home. much for having me. It's so fun being on this ride with you guys. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that you came on this ride with us not once but twice. Yeah. And graced us with your sillies and your beautiful presence. Frequent flyer miles. <laughs> now, um, can they still find you where we listed before? I can't even remember what yep. you listed before. The socials are still the same. Okay, yeah. beautiful. And they'll all be we'll listed in the show in notes. Show notes. Um, sure. You can also find us. Let me pull up the whole spiel that I wrote. You can also find us online. You can find me at Emo Night Boston. Oh my God, yes. You can find Casey at Emo Night Boston. You can always find me at Emo Night LA. So Emo anyway. Night N-I-T-E specifically. Oh yeah, please True. don't spell that wrong. But if you mm. do, I'll. it's fine. I'll forgive you. <laughs> for now but now that you know emo n-i-t-e thank you um but yeah you can find me and casey in person in at emo night and you can find us at three books one plot online in many places because we are three books one plot all spelled out on tumblr and instagram and tiktok and ko-fi and our gmail is three books one plot at gmail.com um the only different account is our twitter 
which is the number three word books, number one word plot. And in our episode description, you can find the links to most, if not all of these things. And you can also find our show notes for this episode. And a quick thank you to everyone who has shared messages on Tumblr and via Gmail. Um, Don't worry. Everybody who has sent us a long email, you are going to get your moment to shine. We're so excited. It's coming up. So feel free to rate and review our show in the platforms that you use. And if that platform is Spotify, and if you're listening through our Spotify app, you can click around on your app to participate in our question of the week, as well as cast your own vote for MVP. You can prom also- Prom king, prom queen. Prom, prom king, king. king yes. You can also go on Tumblr and vote in our MVP for the episode that way. Just remember on Tumblr, you only have a week from the time that this episode airs to vote. So cast them now. Let's see, anything else that you can think that we haven't mentioned, G? I mean, just kind of a big- big thank you to anyone who has like sent us comments reviews those yeah. of you who have, have donated to the ko-fi we got a really I sweet know. comment on ko-fi the other day we were like oh damn yeah, um you guys are angels we just have so much fun with all the the participation and the interaction of like polls and your your answers to the short answer questions are always so goddamn funny hysterical um we had a, we had a blast last night in book club and That's we are right. actually about to wrap up Bella's book club for season one. Um, our last book is Northanger Abbey, uh, which we will be reading. Oh, God. What day is that? <laughs> oh, um, um, May 15th. 15th. We're going to discuss it on May 15th on our Discord. Um, we also will probably have a movie night at some point to watch it. We just had our movie night to watch the 90s Winona Ryder Little Women, and it was so much fun. Um, and funny. we're going to we're gonna make sure we keep movie nights. Bella's Movie Club is going to keep going over the summer. And anyone is welcome to tune into these. We, all, we usually advertise them in advance on mostly Tumblr. Um, so if you, if you follow the Bella's Book Club Tumblr, you should be notified of any upcoming movie nights we're going to have. And I think we're going to branch out a little bit this summer. We're going to continue our mostly Saturday night movie nights. We've got plenty more book adaptations to watch. Plus we have Bella's list of favorite movies from Midnight Sun <sighs> and maybe some classic vampire cinema will sneak in there. I don't maybe know. Maybe just Twilight in general. Maybe we'll watch the Arpats 9-11 film. You never know. Oh, remember <laughs> me. Um, and the other fun. really good book club news, if you like us are going to miss book club during our summer break, we're going to do a summer reading challenge. Um, so if you're interested in participating in that, we have yet to announce the details. Maybe by the time this episode comes out, we will. Um, but when we do, those announcements are, as usual, going to go up on the Bella's Book Club Tumblr, Bella's Book Club All One Word. Um, and our book club's Discord, which anybody is welcome to join um, and kind of participate at your leisure. Uh, so make sure you join and or follow those if you want to keep up with book club. And while you're getting all your follows in and making sure you're <laughs> keeping up with us on the flip side, um, we do still have a few days left from the day that you are listening to this. If you are listening to this on the day that it comes out on May 8th um, to send us an email, you can of course always send us ask on Tumblr. We can always, we'll we get around to this eventually, but if you want to send us something that we might be able to acknowledge on our finale episode, or if not on our finale episode on a future bonus episode, feel free to get those in soon. We're going to have plenty to talk about next episode in our finale. So, Hey, we might grab some, some, um, yeah, come chime in. We want to hear your opinions 
Uh, we love responding to those. It's going to be our, our little like AMA letterbox time where we can it's really exciting. dig into some of those longer responses you guys have sent us. So if you've got shit to say or if you've got a bone to pick, do it now. <laughs> Fight with me <laughs> while you can. <laughs> come beef with me before I change my mind about Carlisle over the summer and I come back a new woman in September. Come join us for girl You know crimes. how funny that would be? I should start standing him. <laughs> really give the people whiplash. <laughs> You should. Oh my god. He has he has three books to change your mind, you know? Mm, he better start now. There's a lot of books in this series. He's gotta <laughs> dig himself out of that hole. Yeah, we've got season two coming up where we have no idea what that's gonna look like. We still gotta brainstorm, iron out some kinks. We have a, wink, wink. We have a, a pretty good idea, but we'll see. We're excited I mean, we, we have fun. some cool ideas, yes. but like when we started this season, we thought we knew what it was gonna look like, and boy, were we mistaken. Oh, yeah, no. Things sometimes <laughs> simply change when you think they're gonna go one way. They but, go like, another. For the better, though. We have all these fun, like, running jokes and bits and inside jokes with y'all that we developed organically and that was that was kind of the beauty of it and i can't wait to come up with more next season i'm so sad i can't do this <laughs> this is too much for me i'm too oh. emotional well but um but i mean i guess i mean we've really wrapped it up with that there casey again thank you so much for joining us and g for one last time for this season do you have a safety tip for us and our lovely listeners well boy do i ever um Bella's final safety tip of the season. This is going to have to tide you guys over all summer. Okay. Is do not get in a car with Edward. Do not go to prom with him. And if you do get in a car with Edward, throw yourself out of the moving car. And yeah. if all else fails, Billy's safety tip of the season is dump him. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's from Billy Black. If you're Bella dump Tuck him. and Roll, if you are Billy, he say hit the bricks. Mm-hmm. Get out of there. All right. Well, everybody. I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you, Billy. It really is. Dump him, girl. Dump his ass. All right, everybody. Take that advice to heart. Stay safe. And we will see you in the finale. Woo! Bye!